podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Do the twist, do the twist, do the twist. Shamalamarama, do the oh, excuse me, everybody, and hello, welcome to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God speaking to you right now as one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and with me is fellow co-host Lucky. It's the twist. I'm not anywhere this time. I'm what a right twist! Here. What a oh, twist! Reach. What a twist! Hey, Shamalamarama, Shamalama uh, wrap up, Shamalama wrap up. I must confess, I've, I've got mixed feelings about saying goodbye to it. I'm, I'm I know. I am simultaneously ready to move on and simultaneously wishing there were more to discuss and dive into. That feels like uh, Bruce Willis at the end of Sixth Sense. Oh, it does. That's how you feel right now. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes Sixth Sense. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) You know what, Reed? (laughs) You know, so we're going to, yes, we are at the end of Shamalamarama embarking Mm -hmm. for the next, I don't know, couple hours into our Shamalama wrap-up. But... Right now is business time. And oh, yes. Okay. Read. Read. We have oh been negligent every oh. year. <laughs> yes. You know, it just sneaks up on us and <sighs> you get all passive aggressive. And I'm like, why is Reed acting Whoa. the way he is? And then I'm like, what is going on? What did I miss? Uh, why is this? And then I'm like, oh, it oh is God. our fog anniversary. Read. It is. Right now, oh it's August God. 24th. So we're recording our August 24th. So we're still in the month. So it's true. Yes. This yes. will release August, August 29th in August. Yeah. So still so, in the yeah, month. We're still, it's, still, we're in the anniversary month. We're dead. Yeah, See, this is it. I didn't fail yeah. you. I didn't fail you. Okay. <laughs> the love is still alive. You know, you know what? And, and that's so fitting because this is, you know, perhaps one of the most complete anniversaries because it's the seventh year anniversary. So we have there. done this for seven years. That's we are insane. now insane breaching over the horizon line into the eighth year of doing it. That's crazy. How do you, how do you, that is wild. Uh, how, uh, how do you uh, feel, Mr. Lackey, about uh, uh, doing this podcast for over seven years? I'm so tired. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> not no, no, the no, answer I, mean, I expected. <laughs> and you got no, a headache. I'm, okay, uh, I get it. <laughs> You're just digging into the metaphor right now. Like, so, catch me next year, okay? Catch me next year. <laughs> oh, oh my man. god! Wow. Um, no, I. I mean, the the sincere answer is no. It's 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 pretty overjoyful and overwhelming. Um, just yeah, come a long way. Got a well entrenched community of people that we you know have become fast friends with, and it's just. I'm just really grateful. I mean, I'm just so thankful. 
you say fast friends it has been seven years right that's that's true that's you know, true yeah, that yeah, is yeah. a minute it takes it takes a minute to become friends with us um but that's mainly <laughs> your fault okay so wow um, we're yeah, a lot of buy-in wow 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 <laughs> okay so other business time it is happy anniversary read by the way happy anniversary <laughs> happy, happy anniversary, anniversary happy listeners anniversary. Uh, uh seven years let's 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 go another seven, uh, and then we'll see where we find <laughs> ourselves. Um, some other quick business to attend to uh, before we get to the main discussion for today. Um, mm. If you are finding us for the first time, welcome. Welcome. It's happy welcome. anniversary season. Do know that you've caught us literally at the end of our series celebrating the works of director M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, we had a fun Indeed. time almost seven years ago. Uh, no, <laughs> April of 2017. So yes, seven years, six years ago, something like that. Six years, you get six it. years ago that we covered him. If that's where right. you're headed. Right. Yeah, six years Spring ago. Springtime for Shyamalan, which brought yes. now quarterly queen Jess Fishley on board. Cause she was deathly sick on a Christmas and found us that way. That's awesome. Uh, if you mm-hmm. found us by way of springtime for Shyamalan, we're glad you're here. We hope we've done right by you and M Knight himself with this second series featuring his material that of Shamalamarama. Uh we've covered every we've basically covered it all with one lone exception we're just not going to get to. Uh and we also this True. time got around to the Apple TV Plus series Servant which he had a hand in the creation of. Um mm-hmm. last week was our final installment unpacking <sighs> Servant and the trials and travails of the <laughs> Turner household uh all the absurdity and seriousness that came with that um indeed indeed today's conversation will momentarily feature a patron only segment namely a watch uh, a, a watcha a watcha right get my words right yes uh where we will discuss media we've been digesting other than horror uh in our mm-hmm. patron only segment and after that we are going to put shamalamarama to bed with this here shamalama wrap up Um, the second order of business today, Reed, if you're keeping notes at home is to join Patreon. It's a great way to show love for your favorite podcast. That being this one. Uh, and it nets you bonuses like extra content every single episode, such as the aforementioned watch us segment to come, but it also gets you in on exclusive bonus events like the upcoming happy hour, horror hangout, happy Mm -hmm. hour, horror hangout. That's right. (laughs) We've got another one of those on the horizon. It's a unique event every couple months uh, exclusively for patrons. These are kind of let your hair down style live Zoom sessions with your Fogger pals. Um, Catch up, share a laugh, share a story, share some life together. The next Happy Hour Horror Hangout will be Sunday, September 17th at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, Reed, is there any any more business you can think of? There's Uh, no... Okay. Yeah. Tell yes. Me. As a matter of fact. Well, uh, maybe we, we didn't discuss revealing it here. We discussed okay. it at length, but we didn't discuss revealing it here. Um, but I think it, it's good to go ahead and give uh, the listeners a heads up that, you know, we started a tradition last year. And I think uh, it's a tradition we are going to keep in the ongoing uh, ensuing years. This is our seventh anniversary. Here's to seven more. And hopefully yeah. seven. 70 more. 70 times 70 seven. D yeah. times seven. That's a yes. lot. Um, that's a lot. You said you were tired <laughs> even, now. <laughs> <laughs> even, you, even you were like, wait a minute. <laughs> um, Whoa. So, um, but this year we have decided, I, don't, I know that some of our patrons who have attended previous Happy Hour Horror Hangouts 
have heard this news already, but to the wide populace, I think this is a first reveal that this year we are going to be doing what we did last year. Last year, we made our way through the Halloween franchise. Halloween at Halloween, we made our way through all of the Michael Myers installments, uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the memories that we made along the way. This year, we are doing the same thing, but with a different iconic franchise. Ready? Drum roll, please. I'm ready. I'm ready. Listeners, this year, we are going through the Scream franchise. We do are going you like to scary movies? Yes, yes, we do. Too much, in fact. And so, this year, we are going to Scream at Halloween. We are going to make our way through every single one of the installments. Yes, we have covered a couple of them before. We will be doing them again in a redux fashion. New cast of characters, new approaches, new conversations. Um, but also covering every installment that we have not yet covered. Uh, so we will be giving it the at Halloween treatment. Uh, that'll be starting in just a couple of weeks after a few little uh, one-off specialty episodes that we plan to do. So yeah, uh, brace yourselves, uh, ladies and gentlemen, for Scream at Halloween coming to you this uh, this spooky season. That's fun. I'm excited. I am What's too. weird, Reed? This is weird. So like, you know me, yeah. I tend to wait on material until I know we're covering it. And rarely mm. now, yeah. I, with the exception of like new releases, I try to get on top of those. But um, sure. Uh, rarely am I either a rewatcher of things or uh, a watcher yeah. of older things that we might or might not cover in the future. And sure. this, I mean, it, it's kind of weird that this will even have happened. But for Scream at Halloween, it will be my second time this year watching all the scream films like that's kind of weird oh actually, that because yes. wow I, yeah because you made the run yep yeah. when scream six came out and so i'm gonna be pretty versed in the uh ongoings at you woodsboro will. um you know oh maybe it'll be uh time to introduce stump nathan because you will be so <laughs> that acclimated will be with e- these that will be easy listen i've watched them <laughs> i've watched them <laughs> like uh, wait a minute <laughs> wait wait no i mean i've seen them have i watched them <laughs> You know, that's a that's a that's, whole different question sometimes. <laughs> that is the question. Oh, that's um, so funny. Uh, no, it. that's exciting. Scream at Halloween, uh, uh, traipsing through the highways and byways of Woodsboro and Sydney Prescott and crew. Uh, that is enough business for now. Reed, how's about we watch her for the patrons and then we'll be back to do the twist one last time. <laughs> Do the twist, do the twist, do the twist, Shamalama Rama, do the twist, do the twist, do the twist, Shamalama Rama, do the twist, do the twist, do the twist, Shamalama Rama. So about this episode mm-hmm. Riri. so we wanted to um you know cap this series off um you know we're just the the loves the hard lessons the friends <laughs> we made along the way you know it's just we we really wanted to um say one turn turn back one last time um before we yeah. drift off into that white light uh if we could uh, turn back time yes the <laughs> it's like you're just baiting me sometimes <laughs> you're like are you gonna sing nathan are you gonna do it 
Tim Rocker, turn back to You're on to me. You're on to me. I loved, I, I was just today listening to our um, servant episode when you keyed me up for Remember the Time by Michael Jackson. Oh, yes. Very funny. Very funny. Speaking of problematic figures. Um, no. <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan. Um we're going to have a Shamalama wrap up. Reed. Indeed. Why, why don't you guide us through this a little bit? Okay. So yeah, we're just going to have a couple of segments, uh, bandy about some questions, some lessons learned moving through his pretty much his entire catalog. We left two films on the cutting room floor, uh, for coverage, uh, somewhat, somewhat by intention. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're just going to make our way through. We're, we're going to express, you know, some of his weaknesses and strengths and talk a little bit about how we feel about these films sort of as a as a time capsule and then uh we're also going to be delivering our three favorite scenes from Shyamalan films and then we're also going to be talking about uh kind of uh, my favorite part the the part that I've been really really waiting for I don't know if you know this but I have not seen your list I specifically did not look at where you published your list of Shyamalan film. So when we go through it, it'll be a surprise to me. I'm, I'm fairly certain you've looked at mine, but uh, nope, you haven't. Oh, I mean, if I if I did, it's it's been before we decided to do this. Nice, so totally nice. remember it. So we're gonna make our way through ranking his films. Oh, and we also have to uh, let listeners know how the Shamios lined up, how they stacked up. What is the true definitive ranking? of Shyamalan's cameos in his film. So there's a lot of fun to be had. We're going we're gonna to have a good time. I'm really looking forward to this. To kick things off, uh, I have a question for you. Uh, yeah. So we've, we've seen all of these now. Most of them you had seen before. A couple were new viewings for you, but um, you'd seen most of these before. Along the way, as you're watching this, did anything in his catalog particularly grow in stature or appreciation was there anything converse to that 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 particularly diminished after you had seen it again um i'm just i'm just curious let's start with let's start with growth did anything uh get even more esteem from you along the way i would say glass old and the happening uh upon putting on my more generous cap uh found a little bit more mm. You know, appreciation is a decent word. You know, sure. like, yeah. um, you know, we we I, I feel like if if listeners have been following along the Shamalamarama, you know, and listen to Glass specifically, you'll hear what was initially my sort of caustic take. Um, not be totally revolutionized, but but at least be tempered. Um, that was a glass joke. Um, yes. mm-hmm. by you know a bit more sympathy towards the overall production. Um, old, I still don't think is, is, is great, but it looks so good. It becomes a little easier to ignore some of its, its lesser elements. Sure. Um, and then what was the other one? Oh, the happening. Yeah. Um, the happening is just such a weird movie. It's a, it's a weird literal movie and it's a weird thing to kind of, yeah, yeah. Sort, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I would say those three, um, you know, I, I, to you, you use the word what grew in my estimation. I would say I was just a bit more sober to glass, and so was able to appreciate it a bit more for what it is mm-hmm. than for what I sort of wanted it to be. Um, 
I, uh, I was able to mute some of my dislike of the elements of old that I dislike in favor of, you know, it's better moments. And then just, uh, again, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but yeah, yeah I'd say those three kind of ticked up a tiny bit. Okay. Um, I have, I have two that ticked up for me. I'm going to join you on the happening. I don't like the happening, but this was my first viewing where I think I came to a, a kind of at least, okay, I I can at least appreciate what some things were attempted here. And as I, you know, so glibly said on the episode, like, you know, if you're sick, you know, I didn't, I didn't hate watching it, you know, so, uh, you know, passive praise as that is, the happening did tick up a little bit for me. The other one that I'll mention, which is going to seem a little odd because I already loved it, but um, signs rose for me even further. To the degree that um, watching Signs and Sixth Sense together, I had some difficulty landing at which of the two of those was my favorite of his films. Uh, and that's hmm. the first time that conflict has arisen. I loved, I loved and appreciated it so much that it even, you know, competently rivaled uh, my, my just overwhelming affection for the sixth sense so uh so yeah signs uh i think continues to grow and that's that film's now you know 21 years old so the fact that it can still elicit those kinds of responses from me after all that time uh i I think is even more impressive i would also throw in the mix um so i think that glass I say I would say rose by a, a decent margin mm, from that mm. what you previously thought to what it kind of is. Uh, the other two are just kind of by degrees, right? Sure. Like, okay. Well, you know, if they were at a, you know, a two of a hundred, now they're at a five of a hundred or whatever. Yeah. Um, I would say for me, Unbreakable kind mm, of had a, mm. a a cementing of of affection for me yeah. in a way that I've always liked it, but I think you know viewing it through that lens of adult kind of relationship yeah. film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really, it, it, it did a lot for me this time around. That's so, awesome. Yeah, I would, That's I would awesome. throw that on the pile. Um, why, why don't you start with lessers? Yeah. So round. what, what, what diminished in your, in your, I had two for me. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the first of them, but uh, I, I already didn't like after earth, but you can chart literally, you can chart my expressions of that film on this podcast. Um, I think early on, one viewing in, I was like, "Oh yeah, sure, maybe Shyamalan's coming back. Like it's not, it's not awful. Like there's something here." And then over time, I was like, "Yeah, this, is, this movie's no good." When I watched it this time around, I, I just really it it almost went to where the happening was previously, where I was like, "I don't, sure. I don't know if I'll ever." Uh, just waste my time with this again. I just, I was so bored. It was so, anyway, yeah. So After Earth, <laughs> if it was possible, went further down for me. The other one may be a little bit surprising, but it's it's not because of the craftsmanship or the quality of the film. Uh, but to my surprise, uh, Split went down a little bit for me. Um, mm. Not because I think it's a lesser film. I still regard it very, very highly in terms of just craftsmanship. But I found it more difficult to dismiss its problematic elements, not related to the um, dissociative identity disorder stuff. I'm, I'm still, I still feel largely the same way I do about that. But the 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 teen girl 
captivity sure. of it all. Yeah. That that bothered me differently and more this time around than it had in my previous viewings of it. And so, uh, to my surprise, almost almost to my shock, uh, that that went down a little bit for me from where it previously sat. So that's my. Those are the couple that diminished for me a little bit. Um, I think for me, the in the uh, went down in esteem category. Um, you know, if you followed the series, this won't be a total surprise, but knock at the cabin second viewing for me was a, a, a lesser experience, uh, than the first one. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what I, that, that's a tough one for me. Yeah. That's a tough one period. Just because, um, I think from a, from a production and style standpoint, it's super strong. It's just sort of the, yeah. some of the thematic content, you know, kind of sank it a bit. Um, uh, another unsurprising one, but I, <laughs> I came into this Shamalamarama, uh, not liking Lady in the Water. I came <laughs> out of this Shamalamarama thinking that's a garbage movie. It's just uh, no, it's just it's <laughs> yeah. not. It, you know, um, something like Knock. I can I can hold in tension. I can hold the tension of I responded a particular way. Uh, mm-hmm. That's I would say sourced in the film, but but also sourced in me sure uh to yeah. me i would say lady in the water it's like no this is a bad movie is my take um <laughs> i understand uh different bad than after earth but but definitely not uh uh not even in the top half for me whatsoever sure this is this is going to surprise you and i'll i'll maybe unpack it a little bit more when we get to our list but read it breaks my heart a little bit to say that by degrees my village love is a little lower than it was. Uh, well, again, we'll get to that. Um, but that's been that's been my yeah. ups yeah. and downs. Yeah, ups, uh, uh, highs and lows, ups and downs. Well, why don't we do? Why don't we get one big thing out of the way? Uh, we've we've okay. teased this for a long time. Why don't we go ahead and rattle down the Shamios countdown? Okay, we've been tracking these. We've been rating these on their their. Screen time and their plot relevance. Shamilan, Shamilan, Shamalaki. Yeah, Shamalaki. He has appeared in uh, nearly every one of his films. Uh, so, of the films that we have covered here, we're going to count down uh, the thirteen of these. And what's interesting is, uh, I'll, I'll, I feel like along the way, the 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 obvious ones are near the top, uh, and the also you know like bare minimums are near the bottom but it's really interesting to see how like number four through eight shakes out so without further ado uh if shakes shakes yes without further ado i will uh give you the the 13 to 1 rattle it off in quick succession the shamios ranking are you ready mr 13 i I am but well i'm (laughs) not quite because i'm about to ask a question uh 13 meaning least present yes 13 meaning least one present. meaning most present yes okay and in fact we might as well make it kind of a 12 with a tie for 12th because the visit and after earth he does not appear at all so they are zeros sure. because he does done. not appear at all Boom. done out of there uh number 11 is servant with a 0.5 score because he was mm. the delivery guy in the very first episode so servant is number 11 number 10 with a score of 0.83 is knock at the cabin he's this little infomercial guy Cute little guy trying to sell some kind of something. You know what's really funny about that in what? Knock at the Cabin is we had Brandon Grafius on for our Knock conversation, yes. and I totally get it. 
But that I actually found kind of cutesy and fun. I was like, oh, that's a, that's a clever way to do it. And Brandon's like, this is a dumb way to do it. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to offer my opinion here. <laughs> I'm going to wait on that. <laughs> yes, Turn yes, it around. Yes. Let the guest have the moment. <laughs> um, but interestingly enough, uh, that was number 10. Number nine is an appearance where he's not even shown on screen. The Happening. Uh, is number nine oh, with a score of one. Yeah, listen, listen. Screen time is screen time. Okay, so no, it's not. Yes, it is. BS. Listen, Scarlett Johansson run from the time, movie Her would have a not word with you. Time. No, it's true. Like Scarlett Johansson, she's not on screen. She's not nope. on screen, but she is nope. irrelevant. Screen time and runtime, two different things. Go ahead. They are Carry not. On. No, the amount of time that their character is present on screen. Hal from mm-hmm. two thousand and one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. He's a disembodied entity. You're going to say he's not present in the movie? Well, I, okay. Even if I give you that, I'd still put um, knock above uh, the happening because You'd knock it it's up. both. No. It's verbal and visual, yeah. Mr. Yeah. Technicality. Hey, listen, the math don't lie. Hey, brother. The, I'm gonna th- <laughs> the, the math. Jump uh, off the top this rope. Up. <laughs> Elbow drop. Um, so, yes. Okay, so number 10 is Knock at the Cabin. Number 9 is The Happening. Number 8 right. is his presence in Unbreakable with a score of 1.33. He's the little drug addict dude. Uh, maybe not an addict, but at least a dealer. Um, so uh, gets patted down by David Dunn, but Unbreakable landed at number 8. Slightly above that, because of its cleverness and reconvening and recurring, the character is split uh, because he plays the same character, but he is this time talking with uh, Dr. Fletcher about her security cameras. Uh, so Split landed at number seven. Number six, appropriately enough, is the sixth sense where he played Dr. <laughs> Hill <laughs> with a score of 2.6. It's a very Seinfeld-esque <laughs> verbal thing you did. Yes. Um, what about that? <laughs> so, yeah, The Sixth Sense is number six, uh, playing Dr. Hill. Uh, honestly, that surprises me a little bit, but sure, it's I like it. I like that role. I like that cameo. Number five. We're getting into the big stuff right here. Now we're getting into the chamois rolls. Um, and that's... Uh, <laughs> get those Hawaiian chamois rolls. That's... Um, Old mm-hmm. number five is old, where he played the driver yeah. working for the nefarious uh, pharmaceutical company with a score of two point seven five because he was he was pretty integral to that plot and shows up several times through the course of that. And uh, is he Idlib's dad? Mm. We don't know. Who's to we say? We don't know. Um, number four, uh, probably because it was a recurring from Unbreakable and Split, and the culmination of that character is Glass, and that is a score of three. Uh, we are now into the top three. Uh, the village came in at number that, three. Wait. What? Okay. Okay. The village is three. Yeah. The village is number three with a score of 3.25, um, which uh, again, he has about as much actual, you know, you want to talk about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You want to talk about actual. I was like, trying to figure out what the last two were. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those are very obvious. Um, but the, yeah, you want to talk about like screen time, you know, he's only in the reflection. In in the village, Mister. Yes, uh, yeah. visually, yes, present, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a visual element on screen. Yeah, thus screen time. Um, <laughs> if you are watching the screen and the character is present, then you know they don't uh, have to be there. You know, huh? 
Yeah, if their no. if their voice is present, the actor required work. Nope. Listen, how do you so just what? I know he did. Screen, I know he did. How how do it's you like, reconcile does, your screen time and runtime argument with um, the entire animation category? How do you does, justify? Because that's not screen time by it absolutely. Uh, is. Let's use a let's use a shamism here. Mel Gibson as John Smith and Pocahontas. Mel Gibson does not have screen time. Yes, John Smith does. has screen time. His voice. Mel Gibson is, has runtime. You are you are absolutely. <laughs> Like dumping on voice acting as a profession. No, I am not. Yes, you are. I I greatly esteem voice acting. I mean, I'm not dumping on anything. I'm simply saying there's a different thing. Okay, you know. Yeah, I think I think you're picking nits. This is this is fighting words. Fighting words. Listen, if 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 you were to say how much screen time does Billy Crystal have in Monsters Inc., it would be zero. That wow. Okay. Sure. All right. Fine. I'm just saying. Be wrong. Be wrong. <laughs> Sit there with your wrongness. I mean, the the to your point. I mean, like to your point. If if how you define screen time is the presence of the physical actor in visual space, yes, I define it by character. How long is the character on the screen? And if the character is on the screen, they don't have to be in the physical space visually. You, they are they are present in the film. Well, let, we'll let the listeners decide. Sure. Listeners, right sure. now. Who, you know, who wins this wrestling match between? <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, if you aren't a patron, uh, uh, wrestling got a lot of play sure and did. love and sure antagonism did. in the patron section. Listen, Carry I, on. Yeah, I, yeah. Listen, the, the, the last two are no surprise. Um, signs came in at number two, 4.1666. Uh, no. Oh, right, ready. Yeah. Uh, losing to the definitive from the gate winner. <laughs> of uh lady the in one the water. man play yeah <laughs> lady in the water uh <laughs> where he played the writer who would change the world literally um mm. listen just to defend my case one last time before we move on listen just to defend my case I, I view screen time as character not as actor so fundamentally you just said that i know two minutes ago i know but i'm just saying you don't have to defend it again i wasn't coming at it again whatever all right so that was the shiamio uh rundown uh probably no surprise to many of the listeners but here we have something kind of special can i put can i punt to something kind of special and then we'll come back you can um so i think i had mentioned a couple of times through the run of this that uh i got the opportunity to show a handful of these films to my son and uh i had the opportunity to sit down with him uh, and talk to him a little bit about that. So, listeners, uh, we're going to take a break while Nathan and I argue off camera a little bit, uh, and then <laughs> we- I'll see you in the ring, brother. <laughs> and uh, and pivot to somebody who you know doesn't argue. Well, he argues with me more than you do. I was but- going to say, yeah. <laughs> but here he gets that from me. Here's a little here's a little conversation I had with my son. I hope you enjoy it. Well, hello, everyone. I have a very special guest with me. You all know my name. Uh, I am Reed, one of your regular co-hosts. And I have with me my son, Sawyer. Sawyer, say hi to everybody. Hello, everybody. (laughs) Um, And listen, I've recently had a very fun experience because you have taken to liking and wanting to see scary movies. You asked me about it. All the time. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> um, and some stuff, I mean, based on your age, some stuff's a little much for you. It's uh, it, it's not quite at a place where I'm really totally comfortable with you 
watching certain things yet. Sometimes not because of how scary it is, but because of kind of what's in it, right? That's fine. I mean, I can wait. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this is a song I completely made. I was like, mm. Yes, with a little tear running down your face. Okay, uh, yeah, so, so um, recently we had been making our way through uh, the Jaws franchise. We can say a quick word about that. Did you like uh, the Jaws movies? Have you liked those? Oh, yes, I love them. My favorite of the three is the second one. That's definitely the most terrifying, though. See, that's a very hot take. Not very many people are going to agree with that take, but that's that's great. I'm, I'm glad you liked it. I did like the second one uh significantly better than the third one but i think we have a rare situation in our household in that my favorite is the original your favorite is the second and mommy's favorite is the third one yes so yes uh yes if you, if you guys don't agree with me that's that's fine we all have our own opinions yeah that's that's quite true that's completely true but quote that uh <laughs> well another thing that uh we started watching which kind of was the starting place for us uh, getting you into a lot of scary movies was the films of M. Night Shyamalan. So um, now at this point, why don't you tell the listeners which Shyamalan films you've seen before? Uh, Sixth Sense was Shyamalan, right? That was, yeah, Def- Sixth Sense. Definitely The Sixth Sense. Uh, which else have you watched? I have also watched The Village. I have watched Signs. Uh, I have watched... Yeah, what there's else? One, what there's else? one what other else? big one you've seen. Hmm. Oh, yeah, Unbreakable. Unbreakable. That's right. Yep, you've seen Unbreakable. So those are the four. Those are the core four that you've mm-hmm. seen. Those are the only four Shyamalan films I've ever seen in my entire life. There's a couple I can't see that I, that we... There's one specific one that I want to watch, but apparently too disturbing subject, subject matter. Well, you can you can tell them. You can you can tell them what that one is. And it's called Split. Yeah, I think Split is probably a little too much for you at this at this moment in time. Um, F- fun fact, we actually we actually started to watch it and like 15 minutes in, they decided we, uh, we should we should uh they they thought it was actually a bit too disturbing. They rewatched it and they decided no. <laughs> That's right. When when your mother and I rewatched it, we were like, no, no, thank you. <laughs> not not quite yet. Um, so there's several other films that you haven't seen yet that maybe we'll get to at some point, like Glass and Lady in the Water and uh, Split, like you mentioned. Um, and uh, Old, yes. Uh, the Visit. Now, The Visit, I initially thought about showing to you, but then you watched the trailer and you declined that. You thought the trailer was a little too scary. Because Oven. The oven, yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, if, you, if you guys, if you guys watch the movie, you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, and then there's also a recent one, Knock at the Cabin, that's also probably a little too too mature for you at this age. But eventually, eventually, you're going to see all of these films at some point. A movie off subject that we're we're just talking about uh, horror movies, but just not by the same person. I'm excited for the FNAF movie. Oh yeah, well. FNAF meaning, in case listeners don't know what FNAF is. Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, that's very exciting. First film for Five Nights at Freddy's. Well, um, hopefully they're going to make a like a sequel like Scott Cawthon did with all the video games. Sorry. Who knows? No, no, no need to apologize. You're excited for the film. That's coming out this October. Um, so let's look back at the four films that you have seen. So um, let's start by talking a little bit about the first film that you watched. You watched The Village. And that was the first one that I showed no, to you. I, I don't know if that was the first. It was. Yeah, it was. It was. Oh yeah, that, that, 
oh yeah, after I watched Psycho, you said you want to watch The Village with me, and I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, that, that, out of nowhere. That's right. Your very first uh, scary, your very first grown up scary movie, because you'd watched plenty of kid level scary movies. Um, but your very first grown-up level scary movie was Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho from 1960. Um, yes, that was that was a great one. Yeah. I, I was terrified for my life and was hiding like almost <laughs> the entire time, and I regret that decision. And you didn't uh, you didn't see the ending coming, which delighted my heart. Which I I, I thought that was I, I love the ending. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it, it's really great. It was um, so uh, back to the village. So you watched the village. Uh, tell me a little bit of your thoughts about the village as much as you can remember it. It's been several weeks now since you've seen it, but not only that, it's been a couple months, uh, before summer we watched it, I think. And, um, in my opinion, it's not very scary, like at all. In fact, we'll get to this later, but I, I think unbreakable is actually scarier than the village. Mm, that's an interesting take. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about the, uh, specific, like, pacing of the film and just the story in general did you think it was interesting or or did you have some trouble with that i found it a tad bit interesting i i only found it interesting i actually thought it was actual monsters oh yeah instead of the people doing that instead the only reason i hesitated saying that because i i I didn't know if i was supposed to put spoilers in or not oh yeah we're a we're a spoiler filled show so you can you can say anything that you want to say um sorry (laughs) no no you don't have to apologize for anything so um i don't like giving people spoilers but i have to no that's okay yeah we are anybody who listens to the fear of god knows that we we spoil things on the show so um um, okay, so it's a special guest. You are a special, very special guest. So, um, the village. Uh, the next film that you watched, a little out of order of when they were released, but I think I think the next one I watched was Unbreakable, right? No, the next oh, one you watched yeah. was actually Signs. Oh, yeah. that, Signs that was next. One, that one uh, we watched it a bit late at night. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I was in the bedroom with my. Uh, my mom and I would, there was a scene where they would look into the TV because they thought it was all over and there the alien was holding the kid just out of nowhere and I'm like, oh my. (laughs) And so I was in my parents' bedroom and then I would be scared (laughs) because that thing looked terrifying. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite true. Um, That one, I think, got you the most in terms of just uh, frights. Yeah, yeah, scares. There weren't really many jump scares, but there were, I don't know what to call them, but they're like jump scares that don't startle you, but they're like, oh my gosh. No, that's that's very observant. On the show, we call those dread scares. So there's jump, yeah, so jump scares are the things that startle you. Dread scares are the scares that make you feel uneasy. It's like, okay, like the, uh, a dread scare, yeah, it doesn't startle you. Like that part where the alien's leg just came out of the cornfield. <laughs> I I close my eyes a lot. I didn't want to see a big jump scare. I know, I know. Yeah, you especially, were <laughs> especially in the part where he put the knife under the door and he was like looking through the reflection. Oh, I did man. not want to see it. it oh man, that was nerve wracking. That was terrifying. But you know what? One of my favorite things about Signs, is, and we've talked about this when we've talked about the show before, and you and I have talked about it too, is I like how funny Signs is. I think Signs is also a very funny movie. I, for, I forgot a lot about the movie, but I, I actually don't remember it being funny. I don't remember a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Remember when they're wearing the tinfoil hats and... 
Um, <laughs> and uh, when uh, oh, yeah. all the all the little silly things like where uh, her water and she's like it's contaminated, you know, it's cute, silly yeah, it's little things. Of, yeah, it, it it has things in it, and I don't know. And one of the most epic moments in that movie is when they found out the alien is allergic to water. I know that was pretty intense. That's how they ultimately defeated it. Yeah, that's, um, that was really cool. Yeah. Um, so after Signs, you watched uh, the Quiet Place. Well, yes, you did watch A Quiet Place. But after Signs, the next M. Night Shyamalan film that you saw was Unbreakable. Unbreakable. Yes. Yeah. Yes, so definitely. what did you think about Unbreakable? How did you like that movie? Um, again, I thought it was scarier than The Village. The Village was not very scary. Yeah. I didn't think it was as scary as Signs. I, uh, I think... Don't most people agree that Unbreakable is not really technically a scary movie? Most people do think that. Yeah, yeah. They don't. I I kind of disagree because it's a bit, it's like really suspenseful, and that sort of is a really big important aspect of a horror movie. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I thought the ending when like he was choking out the main villain, and oh, he and he, yeah. and he would like be banging against the wall everywhere, and just yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Everywhere. No, absolutely. Um, it wouldn't die. Well, and that's the other thing is that the film got to, towards the end. The film gets a bit darker. Like, and I don't just mean with the way it looks. I mean just uh, the tone and what is actually happening gets a bit darker at the end. Of yeah, the movie. let's just to say the, the parents of the family un, uh, that he saved were uh, they just weren't there anymore. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that was kind of that was kind of rough to think about. Um, it's very dark. Uh, so, so um, probably the next thing I'm, I'm tempted to ask you this question, but I want to wait until we cover the fourth film because that's the appropriate place to to ask the question. So, um, the uh, fourth film that you saw in there was Six Sense. That's right, and so. Uh, your mother and I were a bit concerned that the Sixth Sense might be too scary for you, but I don't think you found it that scary, did you? I f- actually, fun fact, found it very boring at first until. Oh, until what? Until I realized. I realized his name was. Uh, uh, what was uh, his name? The character's name is Malcolm in Sixth Malcolm. Sense. Yeah. Malcolm, mm-hmm. Jurassic Park. Um, <laughs> That's, yeah, Ian Malcolm. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, his name is Malcolm uh, yeah, yeah. Crow, I think. Yeah, I think so. But, uh, yeah, Malcolm yeah. Crow. And uh, we found out dead. Yeah? The little Timmy, I forgot his name. The little guy with the glasses, the guy who could see dead people for Cole. some reason. Yeah, Cole. Cole. He, and I realized this when he said they can't see each other because... Mm-hmm. Then I realized, oh, that's why he can't see them. Oh, my goodness. In fact, um, sadly, the camera's not on, but my reaction, I literally, like, I literally, like, flew backwards onto the couch, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. You had such a big reaction. It was very fun for your mother and me, both of whom have, you know, seen that movie before. Uh, to watch you enjoy that twist uh, was really exciting for us because we we knew – we wondered if you would guess it. We wondered if you would think about it. But then at I the did, end, I did not expect that at all. I saw so cool. I saw the wedding ring fall, and I'm like, huh? And then I realized, oh my gosh! Yeah, your reaction was so big and so exciting. I got it. When, I, I, it. I got it when he started when it started reciting that part when 
he was telling Malcolm about the ghost. Right. And then we just kept looking back at the film, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh. They literally point to it. Yeah, it's so great. It's it's so great. That's why she moved his hand. She moved her hand and just... Took the um, just took the check out of nowhere. Oh my god! And gosh. then he's just like, okay, and he's like, happy anniversary, leaves, and he's like, did I do something? Oh, I know. Yes, you died because you got shot. That's nah, that's so sad. That's wow. That's really cold. That's a really cold <laughs> way to say that. Um, I'm sorry. So, um, well, um, so I want to ask you two questions. So you what know, are they? well, you know that we. Um, you know, your daddy loves making lists. Like, I absolutely love making lists and ranking things. You and I love to have little conversations about where we will rank certain uh, characters or we'll really? rank certain things. And usually, usually I'm the one that brings that subject up. You never bring that subject up. I know, I know. But I do have fun with it. So, um, yeah. what, uh, so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to bring up two of them. And the first question is probably going to be easier for you to answer. And then the second question is going to be a curveball. It's not something we've talked about before. So we'll, we'll do it in, (laughs) we'll do it in real time. Okay. So the first question you've probably already been thinking about, I would like you to, uh, those four films going the one you liked the least to the one you liked the most, uh, those four films, village, unbreakable signs and six cents rank them for me. What's number four? Well, you actually just said them all in order. The, oh, village, wow. the village is number four, Unbreakable is number three, Signs is number two, uh, two, and then Six Sense is number one. Wow, I didn't mean to guess the order, but that's very cool. So okay, just so. accidentally guessed the order by listing them. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so number one would be the Six Sense for you, number two, Signs, number three, Unbreakable, and number four, The Village. Yes, the uh, Village was one really low quality i mean we didn't watch it on well while, while it was streaming so that's sad same thing with six cents but i love six cents so much mm-hmm. and um yeah yeah why uh so so maybe that's a good lead into the next question especially like talking about six cents and it ranking up at the top for you um the curveball question is give it some thought of those four films i won't list them again but of those four films rate Think about it for a second. Rate the twists. What rank the twists from least shocking to most shocking? So think about it for a second. Oh wow! I don't. Did Unbreakable even have any twists? Oh yeah, it did. Remember uh, that at the end of Unbreakable. So I'll remind you of what they are. Oh uh, yeah, he's the one who caused all those um, yeah, things. Yeah, that Elijah is the one who caused all the accidents. The village, you find out they are... That, 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 uh, the, the elders are the monsters instead of the monsters. The monsters are fake. Yeah, and that they're in real present day instead of back in the you know 1800s. Uh, Sixth Sense, we've already talked about the twist. Now, Signs... I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a pass on signs because signs doesn't have signs quite doesn't have really like it doesn't have a technical twist. Yeah, like a big twist. It doesn't really have that. It's got some reveals as the signs start to come together and everything, but it doesn't have like yeah, a big yeah. twist. Yeah, in it. It, like wasn't signs the one when the dog starts attacking them, or was that a quiet place? No, that was signs. No, oh, that's yeah, signs. Yeah, There's yeah. not a dog in quiet place. Um, yeah, I watched the quiet place too. Yeah, well, you didn't see A Quiet Place 2 yet. You saw A Quiet Place also. That's what I meant. I was just saying I, I did also watch that. I just <laughs> said it wrong. I know. Um, okay, so um, 
leaving out signs because signs doesn't really have a twist. We'll go ahead and put it at number four, but rank the other three, the village unbreakable and the sixth sense. How would you rank the twists? What do you think is the least shocking to well, the most well, shocking? Well, we could definitely say that six sense is number one. Um, I agree with that. Yeah. Very, very much. Uh, I'm going to have to say, um, Oh, it's difficult. It's tough between those remaining two. Yeah. The Village's Twist was better than Unbreakable. Okay, so The Village's Twist is better than Unbreakable. I don't, so. I don't think I had a more shocked reaction to Unbreakable's Twist than The yeah, Village. Yeah, I, I agree with I that. Mean, I had no reaction to both, but... No, I, I remember when you were watching those films, that 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 tracks. That's that I think that's accurate. Um, yeah. Well, uh, thank you for uh, unpacking these a little bit with me. If you have anything else that you want to say about any of the films, any of the M. Night Shyamalan films that you've seen, go ahead. I need some contaminated water. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being here with me and for uh, sharing your thoughts on all of M. Night Shyamalan's films. Uh, now we'll get back to the episode. All right. Go ahead and say goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks, bud. Wow, that's some hot takes from from your boy there. Couple, yeah. He uh, some of them not even about M Night Shyamalan. So yeah, there's there's that. <laughs> so, as long as wrestling comes up, we're good. Uh, well. <laughs> okay. Oh so uh, next on our list, we wanted mm-hmm. to talk about just you know we we've spent a lot of time uh, imbibing Shyam material. Uh, this shimmer and, um, you know, I would not say we are, uh, scholars. <laughs> this is getting unwieldy. I am <laughs> struggling. Um, uh, I would not say we're, I would not say we're shama scholars, but, uh, we have, you know, observed a few things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and wanted to at least spend a minute. Now, this will be a little redundant if you followed along the entire series, but it at least gives us a chance to kind of really demarcate uh, these these notions and wanted to at sure. least highlight, you know, what what do we think are kind of the uh, maybe a uh, weakness and and the primary strength of Shyamalan sure. as a storyteller. Um, I say we start with weakness. So we end on a positive. I, I like think that for me. Um, uh, kind of unsurprising, but I think that I, I again, I, I'll keep referencing this. He in, is in fact an academic and arguably a scholar, even if it's not explicitly of Shyamalan's, uh, in a real, uh, narrow sense, but, but Brandon brought this up when he was on for our knock episode. And at the time, I don't know that I would have been as on board this take uh, except for the fact that we still had half of a series to go and mm. just the, the distraction of sentimentality mm. for Shyamalan mm-hmm. feels real. Yeah. Um, and, and well, I won't take the other one, but I'll, I'll reference it if you don't. But so, so that one I would say, which is, which is hard. Cause I don't want it to come off like, Oh, you don't like sentimental stuff. That's not it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think I'm a, I'm a fan of sentimentality and, and, and sort of sincerity and, and heartfelt storytelling there are times when it's like, okay, you, you like 
what what may not have even been there in the same way you've now steered into in a way that feels a little forced um mm-hmm. little stuff read okay I'm, I'm gonna pick a nit real quick because it's one i've thought about over the series but didn't want to come off like i'm just browbeating here but okay this this will surprise you but this is a little emblematic okay sentimentality uh, uh distracted by sentimentality is weakness a mm-hmm. kind of roped into that is <laughs> love of own voice actually and then when what i mean mm. by that is not don't be a writer i mean he's i think he's actually quite good at that sure there are times and and the one that will surprise you here is i've always tripped over it and this shamalamarama the tripping became a falling when i saw it in uh in relief to the rest of the canon things like william hurt um says mm-hmm. the yeah. line the world moves for love in the village mm. i know this is a surprising take because of my aforementioned village love the line doesn't feel like an earned moment smartly and 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 timely delivered by a character speaking passionately it mm. feels like okay that's your writer line that's that's the line that and and i'm using that one as a as you know, put a pin in it because that feels representative in several other places too. Sure. Um, there's a moment at the very end of servant. And in fact, I wrote it down. I'm not going to take the time to go find it. The scene is it's literally the last episode. It's it. There's a line Dorothy delivers to the police woman when she's sitting on the steps. Mm-hmm. And it's this very kind of button saccharine summary yeah. sentimental statement that even in the moment I was like, that's one of them right there. Yeah, so sure. he has this propensity sometimes. And uh, listen, <laughs> I get it. I love the sound of my own voice. I I I, I think everything <laughs> I when I do write is is roses. Uh, but there are moments where I'm like, oh, you could have like massaged that one out a little bit, or just known it was poetry intellectually and leave it out. You know. <laughs> um, <laughs> sure. So anyway, anyway, the, I'll, I'll 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 camp on those two. Okay. Um, I think what I would define his weakness as is somewhat akin to your sentiment note. I feel he is afraid to leave things bleak. So I feel like a dependence upon optimism is a struggle that he has. Because I feel like while part of that keeps drawing me back to his material... Um, I feel like a couple of times it maybe wasn't as warranted and I think muddies the waters a little bit on what would have had more impact if he had committed more to the bleak or grim scenario that he's laid out for us. And so it rings a bit false sometimes in films such as Old or Knock at the Cabin um, or even, uh, I'll say, perhaps, as much as I love it, maybe even in a film like Glass where when you've laid out something and then you try very hard to tilt it up, sometimes that dependence upon optimism leaves you quite literally, uh, okay, don't look over there at all of the ramifications of all the bleak things that I've said to you. Look right here. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and I think that sometimes muddies the waters uh, on his storytelling a little bit. That's, that's the main thing uh, that I would highlight. K- kind of an alternate thing is, is akin to that, um, and is probably going to catch some side eye from maybe not from co-host, but, but definitely from some listeners, um, 
is when I was thinking about what is perhaps his weakest trait, the two-word uh, hyphen that came to me is world-building. I thought, uh, I think his world-building is, is one of his weaker traits. Um, I think he, we're not talking about strengths right now. Um, I feel like he sets out to make larger statements about the world as a whole, but his fictional environments frequently fall apart under a certain degree of scrutiny. Not always, but frequently. Um, so I feel like his general capacity for world building is, is one of his weaker areas. We'll get to strengths in a second, but, um, but that, that's what I would cite um, as, as my sort of identification of his weaknesses. Well, then you do strengths. Okay. Um, number one, uh, perhaps in contrast to my note about uh, the uh, you know dependence upon optimism, it, his emotional resonance. I think even in the films that I objectively think aren't very good, he manages somehow to move me and to engage my emotions. I think his capacity to tap into earned real emotion uh, is really exceptional. Um, sometimes, as I said, in films that I otherwise do not enjoy, uh, I feel like he's an incredibly emotionally intelligent and incredibly emotionally resonant storyteller. So I feel like that's my number one thing for him is I always feel that I'm probably going to walk away with some degree of, of, uh, pathos and movement in my heart, uh, towards the characters and towards their situation. So emotional resonance is my number one. Um, I will give my alternate after I, I have an alternate, but I am worried that it may be something you mentioned. So I'm going to defer. And if you don't mention it, I will, I'll piggyback okay. on it. If you do. Um, uh, I, I think, uh, if I, because I don't want to give just a technical note, I intentionally chose my weakness as distracted by sentimentality. Mm. Uh, and why I make that distinction is I don't think, being a sentimental storyteller is itself a weakness. Mm, mm. Uh, because in fact, I think when it occurs naturally in the story he's telling, it's pretty exceptional mm. and, and it's pretty well drawn, well delivered, um, uh, rightfully positioned yeah. in a particular story. What I was citing as weakness is this, this kind of like, Oh, well, where can I work in, you know, schmaltziness? <laughs> uh, that, that might not otherwise be right. called for. So mm -hmm. I, I do think, you know, for a, for a filmmaker to so coherently, um, I'll frame it this way for someone in a position like his to be so kind of emotionally vulnerable, mm. uh, at least by way of the scripts he writes yeah. is pretty, pretty impressive and laudable. And, yeah. and I, I give some, some love to that. Um, I think my strongest, though, my my strongest takeaway in my sham appreciation throughout this series is just the visual style. It's something I always knew was present. It's something I, if you'd asked me three months ago, what's something you know you might identify as a thing you like about Shyamalan, I, I would have I would have strung together words that would at least signal that idea, uh, but. Um, you know, watching through everything now, even though I won't, 
you know, I, I, I won't have a wide awake, won't have a lot of longevity in my, you know, sort of cinema memory. Um, even watching it, I was like, no, I can, I can see the seeds of what would become. And even, and I don't even mean that as like a, a backhanded compliment, like in wide awake, there's good shots and it's representative of right. where he would grow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I just think in ways you know, we, we are, um, I didn't mean to turn this into a, a commentary on film industry, but here we mm, are. Mm. Uh, you know, the fear of God has existed alongside some pretty seismic shifts in, you know, the film landscape. Yeah. Where, and we've, you know, I don't need to defend my MCU bona fides as, a, at least from a fandom standpoint, but where, the biggest things in the world are pre to death and more or less shot across the world with non, uh, not on location with people mapped on top of screens later on. Like it's just, there's no, there, mm, there's not no, but there's such a dilution of thoughtfulness to what literally appears on screen. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That to watch a craftsperson with a well honed, skill as a visual storyteller do that well is just refreshing yeah um you know and and after earth now i haven't seen airbender but after earth is such an anomaly such an outlier Mm -hmm. here because it is riddled with cgi that's that's barely legible on screen yeah so i don't don't really consider that in the in the thick of things here with my strength note but even even films i still find kind of head scratching as exercises a la old you still mm-hmm. watch and you're like okay but it sure does look damn good and i don't mean <laughs> just the literal cinematography but the way individual right. scenes are crafted yeah of course. Um, he, of course he knows how to do things off camera that impact what's happening on camera he knows how to frame shots mm-hmm. that where where every plane uh for mid and background are all kind of in concert with each other and sure. then move that shot where it's still taking place, you know, like he just yeah, yeah. really good as, as a crafter of uh motion picture film scenes, if that makes no, sense. At, absolutely. And uh, my, my instincts were right. I was going to say number one was going to be his visual style his visual storytelling specifically. The only thing that I would enhance with that, that I don't think you mentioned explicitly because I agreed with every word that you said. Um, yes, anding you though a bit is I. I think I had said in an earlier episode, maybe even on on glass, um, that sometimes I think the shot he has constructed is telling a more interesting story than the actual narrative that he's telling. Sure, um, yeah. I, I feel like his visual style is so on point and so uh, just almost he almost makes it look effortless. Uh, the way that he can construct an interesting image. It's been a really long time since I've seen Last Airbender. My memory of Last Airbender is that it also fails in that category, but I, I haven't seen it recent enough to say definitively. But um, but with those couple of exceptions, even what we would cite as his weaker, his objectively weaker entries still have some really interesting visual acuity um so yeah i I, let me ask let me ask you a question this this is not on our list this is not um, okay but i I think you're smart enough to be able to roll with this type of question it's one i've thought about and i I just forgot to kind of add it to the catalog here and you know 
in this in this conversation about his style and and knowing that well I'll, I'll cut to the question instead of just belaboring the preface which is to say why do you think at this point um or it feels like his reputation as a quote unquote serious filmmaker alongside the uh, to be redundant, the quote unquote greats. Hmm. It feels like, it feels like he's out of that. He's, he, I, I don't know how he would get back into that bracket, hmm. which feels a bit of a shame. And maybe, maybe I'm misconstruing sort of the, the landscape, but like for you, as you think through, cause, cause you do ponder this stuff a little more intently than I do. Like what, what gets him back? Ah, I hate even framing it that way. Cause hmm. I still think he's making smart films. I, I'm, I just I'm don't think when, when people, when people list the greats these days, he's not mm-hmm. going to be on the list. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, and by these days, I don't mean modern era. I just mean period. Like when you, when you yeah. s- scan yeah. the, there was, there was a moment, six cents doing what it did where he, he stylistically and actual output, yeah. you know, was like flirting with that sort of nomenclature, but I don't, I think that's going to continue to elude him, which is fine. He seems to be content making the things he loves, and that's great. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna stop rambling and just he, um uh this is gonna sound sad. I don't think it's sad. First of all, the conventions of genre hold him back. Uh Fair. I will say this. John Carpenter is a great filmmaker. He is a great mm. filmmaker. He That's will never comment. be included yeah. in that list because genre conventions hold you back. But when you look at the construction visionary mechanics, to horror fans, John Carpenter is a great filmmaker. To the wide critical populace, John Carpenter is not regarded the same way. But when you look at what he's able to accomplish on screen, he's a great filmmaker. But genre conventions hold him back. Uh, back to Shyamalan, I think Jean, the fact that he operates in genre will always be something of a deterrent, which is not, you know, Stephen King had some great words put to paper about how unfair it is that popular fiction and popular storytelling is not regarded in the sort of hierarchy of academic prestige the way that it should be. Um, But the other thing that I think holds Shyamalan back, even from maybe horror fans considering him a great filmmaker, though many of us do, um, is the, the elements of his style that feel gimmicky the the shoehorned twists that are in too yeah. many of his yeah. films to dismiss yep. um, which ironically we didn't count as a weakness but i would say yeah yeah definitely yeah. Qualifies. Um, and and so when in a film like six Sense, when it works it's exceptional uh when those twists i'll 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 pick on old when a twist arises like an old it's it's a little bit like oh, what um so it's things like that that I think continue to hold him back from being regarded at the same table. But what I think he, I don't want him to stop doing what he's doing. There's some things, we'll, we'll maybe get to this a little bit later. There's some things that I'd like to see him stretch the boundaries a little bit before and challenge himself and challenge our expectations of him. But he has such a distinct voice. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I necessarily am craving for him to do anything different than what he does, you know, it would be like, you know, if you're if you're signing up for your favorite band, but the favorite band has not only changed genres, they've changed genres into something that doesn't even sound like them anymore. Uh, they they, 
it, it's very tricky to cross that bridge where you are still being true to your own voice um, and not experimenting for the sake of experimentation. Um, but yeah, you asked a, a, a much more simple question. I'm going on tangents, but no, what, what, I mean, I, what's I holding that's... him back? I think that would be my answer to what's to what's holding him back from that from getting a seat at that table verbally. You know, and I wonder. It's funny, even as I asked the question and listening to you kind of feel the and and recognizing it's his weaknesses that that do kind of hold him yes. back, which which you know isn't uh, an inherent slight as much as it is just these the things he tends to preoccupy his storytelling with yeah. will tend to to restrain him a bit, and it's fascinating because I think and we reference this a little bit, I think Split might have been the last close brush with it. Right. Mm, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, between McAvoy's performance and just kind of it, it splashing the way it did. Yeah. And I wonder if kind of it's, it's fielding itself, boomeranging back into Unbreakable might have been, you know, feeding the, the weakness category. Yeah. There. So an- yeah. anyway, I, I just think it's a fascinating conversation because I think, I think stylistically he's there. It's, it's yeah, his storytelling that, that kind of, I hate to say it this way, kind of gets in the way, perhaps, um, which is, Totally fine. You know, tell the stories you're yeah. passionate about. Um, no, I agree. That's been a good conversation. Uh, let's do this. Let's um, we're fans of list around here. Uh, uh, we wanted to do some favorite scenes. There will be some surprises here. There will be some uh, uh, expected mm. uh, elements here, um, but there's no real rhyme or reason to this. I will let you know much like I did for the MCU when we had uh, uh, Ian on, I bracketed these. It's just, I, it's too, I don't know how to make a, a quantitative <laughs> list of like, this is the literal best scene. So no, I, get um, it. I get it. I have them by category. So I will go first on one and then I'll let you, I've got, I've got three mains. Cause it's what you asked for. And then I've got an honorable mention. Okay. What do you want me to do first? Um, the main or the honorable mention. Interesting. So I will then include my honorable mention, but I ranked mine. I didn't categorize mine. Sure. So, so, uh, what I will do is just as you shout out a scene, I will give my three, two, one as I'm making through mine. But why don't we start with honorable mentions? What's your, what's your okay. honorable mention? And I'll give mine. So, uh, my honorable mention is going to be in the comedy category (laughs) and because it's representative of when i think he actually does really competently with comedy uh this feels representative of of that in a in a real distilled fashion and it's the t diamond styles credits rap the (laughs) shit don't taste like chicken shania twain bitches you know that is so Uh, great it's hilarious um ed oxenbold is fantastic in that role um Mm -hmm. that movie is just littered with great comedic bits um but it's also just a signal of what when he wants to be, uh, uh, he's, he's got some, he's got some good comedic, uh, uh scripting chops too. So, awesome. so that was my honorable mention is the credits wrap over the visit. So here's, what's going to be interesting. My honorable mention is probably going to drop some jaws, but I should preface that my, when I ranked my favorites, cause we didn't pre-brief criteria when I ranked right. my favorites, Mine are, you'll be able to track, they are based on emotional resonance. That is, mine are ranked based on how much they move me and ignite my imagination. That is the, the, um, the way I have ranked them. In that spirit, my honorable mention is, uh, the, the train sequence where at the end of glass, where they are broadcasting. Train station. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. They're not on a train. They're in a train station. Yeah. Um, yeah. They are broadcasting 
and it's going viral, the footage that has been uploaded of the Supers doing their thing, having their parking lot fight, um, the music swelling, Joseph, the son, getting to watch uh, his father and and watch his father kind of be, in the language we used on the episode, kind of be immortalized that way. So yeah, that's my honorable mention. It didn't officially crack my top three, but I still find that scene very moving in a number of ways. So so yeah, that's that's my honorable mention. Awesome. Um, why don't you do your next okay. standard one? My number three. Kind of snake it that way. <laughs> if you thought, uh, <laughs> if you thought that the the trains the train station sequence at the end of Glass, uh, boy, uh, number three might might drop your jaw even further. Uh, my number three comes from Lady in the Water, uh, which is a film that uh, you, I think, it, I don't remember. I think the word you used was a garbage uh, movie, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, is de- is detritus a better <laughs> word there? You know, <laughs> but, some flotsam, uh, some jetsam. <laughs> but again, uh, speaking of emotional resonance, I don't think I can watch that movie and not find. Uh, part of it is just my love for Paul Giamatti, but not find his breakdown confessional when he's speaking to story, but really speaking to his family about how he could not protect them and could not save them. I find that still incredibly moving. Uh, I, I, I consider that to be a really genuinely uh, touching scene and an earned sentiment uh, in a film that otherwise has a lot of manipulative sentiment, I feel like that moment stands out uh, largely because of performance, but I feel like it stands out as as more earned. So, yeah, my number three is Heap's uh, tearful confession in Lady in the Water. Yeah, Lady in the Water. That's a thing. Um, so, uh, <laughs> that's a thing. My apology, Amati. No. <laughs> My Paul Giamatti uh, uh, love of late is he was just recently on Smartless. Everyone should check that out. It's a lot. Of, it's a very fun mm, episode. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, okay. Well, then I will. My number three on my list. Um, uh, it will not be a jaw dropper, but it will be uh, the least expected of these three. Um, and and categorically, it's my favorite horror uh, Shyamalan sequence. Mm, and it is mm. Betty, Betty Buckley in the happening. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah. I thought it the first time I saw that movie. Um, I, I thought it again when we, when we watched it, like, you know, it's so good. And, and you almost wish you could just say to someone, Hey, just, just watch. There's like, there's like this 15 minute slice <laughs> at the end, not the very end. Sure. Don't go that far. Started about the minute. I mean, the hour 15 mark or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, hour 15 yeah. Mark Wahlberg plays a man. Um, <laughs> but it's so good. That sequence is just so good to the point. Reed, it's so good. Mark can't ruin that scene. It, that's how good huh. that scene is. Yeah. Yeah. Even he can't ruin it. Wow. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's some praise right there. No, I, <laughs> <laughs> I know that might be a little surprising, but you know, it was on my list. The more I thought okay. about it, I'm like, no, this it's a very quality example. Yeah. When he goes for it of, of what he's capable of. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because it isn't just, forgive me, it isn't just imagery, right? Like in the happening, that haunting imagery of the people falling off the top of the building, that's good. Mm-hmm. But like this is storytelling and uh, mode, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so it's in my top three. All right. That's excellent. That's excellent. Um, my number two, again, uh, ranking these by emotional resonance, I feel a difficulty defining the edges of this scene because ostensibly 
my number two encompasses like, well, you use the Betty Buckley scene and that's like 15 minutes. So I, I don't feel, uh, I feel like maybe no, this is yeah. again. Yeah. A sequence. Um, yeah. So, so the, the last 15 minutes of signs, uh, pretty much from the moment that Graham as a character begins to put the pieces together of what they are being sort of what the next steps will be and compelling Merrill to swing away. However silly some people may find that moment, it escalates into a moment that just continues to inspire and move me. Uh, so pretty much from there through the end of the credits, uh, the last 15 minutes of signs, uh, just through incredible. the end of the credits. Well, I'm sorry. Th- th- uh, <laughs> through the credits, through, screen you know, time, yes, runtime. Yes. Yeah. All that. Um, um but yeah yeah, 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 the final 15 no, minutes I love of it. signs. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Well, let's do this then. So my last two, um, I'll do them. So we're kind of snaking around. I'll do two and then one. So, um, these two are separated by, you know, a hair's breadth. Okay. Um, in terms of affection and love. And in fact, the one I'm about to name has actually grown, uh, to, to chase the next one and, or, uh, meet it. Mm-hmm. But since you just referenced signs, I will reference it. Since you reference a 15 minute sequence, I will re- reference a lengthy sequence. It is the extended sequence in signs of Graham telling the kids their birth stories, which dovetails into the Ooh. last supper. Beautiful. Um, it is, it is one of these, how I wrote it down. I said, it's one of those perfect moments where Shyamalan's bent towards sentimentality works perfectly and organically. These people are prepping for the possible end of their existence. And this man calls on the only things he knows, which is his love for his children and his vocation, former or otherwise as comforter. And it is yeah. beautiful. I love it mm-hmm. deeply to my bones. Like I said, it gave. It gave adequate chase up the list to to rival uh, the next one. Yeah. Any commentary on on that particular scene? Uh, it is possible that might have landed at my number three, uh, if not for a, a self imposed restriction that I only wanted to mention a film once, and the finale mm. slightly edges out that moment that you just and cited. You chose- but- Lighting in the water. Listen, no, huh? no, I'm no, I'm no, but I mean, list. but you I'm know, with you. I, I know you are, but I'm, I'm, I'm being earnest that like, yeah, uh, probably the truer rendition of this list would have put the scene you just cited at number three. I just wanted to only mention the film once and the finale edges it out for me. I, I just, yeah, but no, I, I think that scene is brilliant. Wonderful, um, and that categorically was sentiment. So I had comedy, horror, sentiment. Okay. Which, if you're keeping track at home of categories here, the last, the top is romance. I'm a, I'm a, I, it's me, Reed. This it's is my me. number just, one. So you go our, ahead. It's our, it's our anniversary. It. Yeah. You know, I feel mm-hmm. it's appropriate that I hold my hand out to you. Just yeah. waiting, waiting, waiting. I'm worried you're going to leave me there <laughs> to get taken by that. Cause you know, just the way, the way of things, uh, cause I for, we forgot, but, uh, <laughs> Ivy Walker with her hand out. Oh, yeah. Uh, I oh, rewatched yeah. it today. Just that, that little three minutes or whatever it is. Um, we've talked it to death. Um, you know, we, we, uh, recently LLC the fear of God and thought about naming the LLC, a derivation of the scene didn't quite work. Cause yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, Ivy's hand just goes not great, but, uh, (laughs) Ivy with her hand out. It's, it's so, so there's, 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 you know, I categorize it romance. So even that feels, uh, uh, a too, 
too small a a sort of naming of this scene because it's not just the character work that's being done there. Mm-hmm. Though the character work is massive. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. It is also just the construction of the sequence itself. Yeah. Um yeah. that is that is incredibly arresting. Um it this movie is what uh, I was uh, you know, of course aware of Joaquin previous to this thanks to Gladiator, but it's definitely what elevated him for me. It's what put Bryce Dallas Howard on the map, this movie for me. Um, that scene itself, the score, the, the, the construction, the, mo- when you don't know, it's not real monsters. Spoiler oh, yeah. alert, like all of it works together in a real, just arguably perfect fashion. Oh, absolutely. Uh, shocking. Probably no one. It is also my number one. Um, and I feel like it, it has all of the factors that we appreciate so much about Shyamalan emotional resonance amidst terror, um, a bent towards optimism and hope. Uh, it's, it's everything in three minutes. And, um, and, and, you know, I go back many, many times to, you know, the resonance that that metaphor of just holding your hand out in faith, uh, you know, despite all of the threats and terror and 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 burden of danger around you uh it's it's deeply inspiring deeply romantic as you as you mentioned uh it it is i think perhaps Shyamalan's perfect moment um i'd like to point something out that i do find yeah. interesting uh just just a note uh, n- none of us cited anything from the sixth sense which i find interesting um that's just yeah anyway I mean, I definitely thought about it. I I don't know for me that there's a singular scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, now, I will say this. I thought about throwing in the let's pretend. Oh, and see, we'll you see tomorrow. each other tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I did think about that for this list, but but the, the proximity of having just talked about it and naming it there, I didn't want to crowd the crowd it with it. Yeah. And while I love that scene mm-hmm. and I love that movie, I think it's it's lodging in the pop cultural memory makes it harder to take on its own terms. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, yeah, yeah, that's fair. So, so yeah, but, but no, I mean, that's a fair observation and interesting to note as well. Uh, that has been fun. Our three favorite scenes. So, uh, you, you, uh, you know, 30 minutes ago at this point, you had your kid for the first time, truly. Although I think there's been maybe a B side or some ancillary episode where he'd been mm-hmm. on previously. <laughs> Yeah, he's been um, on before. Yeah, uh, feature on this Shamalama wrap up. Well, it's it's time. Uh, if you attended <laughs> Fogoween twenty twenty three, you met two of my kids. Uh, uh, I think right now you're only going to get one of those kids. Uh, but we're going to throw it right now to my middle kid named Penny. Here we are. Penny is going to join me because she has watched uh, several of the Shamalan entries, and we're going to talk about it. So so uh, awesome, you know. Cut to that. <laughs> Hello, Penny, and welcome to the Fear of God podcast. How's it going? It's all right. Good, good. Uh, Penny, uh, our patrons might know you because you uh, dropped in on uh, Fogoween last year, right? Yeah. And were you costumed? I can't recall. It the astronaut. Yes, yes. Good choice. Um, so today you are a part of our 
Shamalama Wrap Up, which is the final uh, episode we're releasing as part of Shamalama Rama. And you just say that. Shamalama Rama, Shamalama Rama, Shamalama Rama. I'm not going to do it ten times. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a pleasure to have you here because you have uh, uh, recently been walking through some of Shamalan's uh, material thanks to this series, but you had watched some even before that. And something we like to do, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, though. I need to prep you for this. Um, anytime we have a new guest, we've got two questions we like to ask them. And one of them is, uh, what is a favorite scary movie of yours? Do you have a favorite scary movie that you would point to? Um, I really love The Village a lot. The Village. That's a good one. That's a good one. What What do you love about The Village? This is your chance to get some of those thoughts out of the way. Um, I love like the relationship between Ivy and Lucius and how the whole story like, was meant she wanted to keep going out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yes, we are fans of The Village uh, around The Fear of God. That is a good choice. Um, I did not pay you to say that. You just get an allowance. Anyway, um, the second thing we do like to ask people, um, and it occurs to me, I'm not sure if I said this or not, but Penny is my uh, 12-year-old kid. So um, when we talk about allowance, that's what we're talking about here. But um, what scares you, Penny? What is something? It can be kind of silly. It can be something serious. For instance, I'll prep you with this. Uh, Years ago, when we first started asking this question, read. Uh, uh, AKA Dr. Riedenstein, as far as foggers are concerned, uh, shared that he was scared of piles of clothes and I've never failed to give him grief for this. And I'm joking, but he meant what he meant was like, you know, the shadows cast like by a pile of things, but I chose to take it in the way that you know me, uh, as what you're scared of piles of clothes. And so I give him grief for that. So it can be silly. It can be serious, but what, what scares you? Um, I guess I wouldn't say it's really a scare, but I don't like getting left out a lot. Hmm. You are a middle child, yeah. and that will be a that'll be a thing that will uh, plague you. Uh, uh, I can empathize with that. So no, that is that's good. Not being left out, some FOMO going on there. Um, I can appreciate that. So we'll we'll shift into the Shyamalan of it all, and you have seen for for this conversation, you watched. Uh, rewatched The Visit, The Village, The Sixth mm-hmm. Sense, and Signs. Now, you'd seen Signs for several years now, right? And you, I think you always enjoyed that one. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Um, but uh, loosely speaking, this was your first time seeing The Village, The Visit, Sixth Sense, uh, taking those four, and you just rewatched them in quick succession here in the last 24 hours, 48 hours or so. Like, what is your general feeling about these movies? Like, do you like them? Are they... I really do. I enjoy them a lot. I like that really in every movie there's some kind of plot twist that you didn't really expect. Sure. Um, I think that he was always good with doing that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, of those four, and this is a question you were prepped for, of those four, which which one would you say is your favorite? I think... I, I do love The Village, but I feel like story-wise, I really like The Sixth Sense. That one's great. Yeah. Um, what, what makes that one stand out stronger to you than the village? Um, I think just the way it's made, like, I guess it's kind of more modern. It's less of monsters and stuff and more of realistic kind of speaking. Mm -hmm. And did you see it coming? Did you see that twist coming? No. No. I can't remember. Did y'all, I know we, I watched it with you, but 
um, you know, did it click with you kind of immediately what was happening there at the end or? Well, it kind, it kind of took a minute. Um, but once that ring dropped, you could tell what was actually happening Yeah. and rewatching it. You can tell that he never talks to anyone. Yeah. Besides. Yeah. Rewatching it is, yeah. uh, uh kind of opens your eyes a lot uh-huh. to what's really going on. Like it's always all there. But you never yeah. Even scenes like where he's, I love the one, there's a, there's a couple scenes like this, but specifically it's the one I'm thinking of is when he's with, um, the mom and the doctor after Cole's gone into the hospital. Do you remember this? And Shyamalan's playing the doctor. It's okay. There's two scenes like it, uh, where he, he, Malcolm, the therapist uh-huh. is present with other people, but you wouldn't know unless you know the ending that, yeah. that he thinks he's sort of part of the moment, but, but no one else is interacting with him. Uh-huh. Um, so there's that one. And the other one I'm thinking of like that is when Cole, the little boy comes home and the mom and Malcolm are sitting in the living room together uh-huh. and, and it looks like they they've just had a conversation yeah. or something and now Cole's entered the scene and it silences them. But you learn after the fact that they were, never really they were never interacting at all. I feel like that's also really special with when he meets the wife at the restaurant mm-hmm. and he thinks that he's just talking to her and she takes a check. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a, that is a, uh, you know, any, any interaction with the wife, you know, totally gets changed mm-hmm. uh, by the um, knowing that, yeah. that he's not really present with them. <clears throat> so, Penny, we, we're, we're talking about some, you know, kind of favorite style stuff where, you know, kind of pointing to the different movies you've seen. But, lest we forget, Fear of God is a horror show. And, uh, you know, Penny, if it's, if it's gory, if it's gross... If it causes you a fright, it's time for the part of the show where we talk about things of which might be said, that ain't right. Sure as hell ain't right. So on on the fear of God, we talk about that ain't right. So you've just watched four. I'm proud of you. You've you know, I mean, in in the scale. Uh, now you know, one to the next of these movies, the the scare factor varies a bit, but the visit is pretty strong. Um, and so you know, you you've you've dove deep into the horror pool uh, with these four films. You know that ain't right. Uh, pick a couple. You know, don't feel like you have to do a singular one. Doesn't have to be one single movie, but if you were to look at the top of your list uh, across these movies, what would top your list for that ain't right? I mean, I think that the scene in the visit when he smears the poop on his face is not—it's <laughs> not okay. It's not okay. What? No, no, no. You, you got to. What is it? That ain't right. That ain't right. That ain't right. Uh-uh. Uh, no, that ain't right. That—that that oh. is probably. Um, uh, and listeners who have followed closely will know, uh, you and I actually spent a lot of time this summer playing uh, Zelda, the new yeah. Zelda game, Tears of the Kingdom. And I had great fun, uh, right after we'd watched the visit. And in Zelda, there's a, a, a mud monster. Oh and, and <laughs> <laughs> referring to this mud monster and the things it does in the game as pop pop, you know, it's like. Yeah, that was a fun time. Mm. I, yeah, 
that that's a pretty um, it, it's hard to top mm-hmm. uh, a, a grown old person smearing poop on your face yeah. from their mm-hmm. diaper. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to talk about that some more? No, or do you like I, to spend no, some more time I, pondering it and okay. imagining? Okay. Uh, no. Okay. Um, yes, that would be tops for sure. Uh, what would be a couple others you would identify as that ain't right? Um, I mean, I think playing hide and seek under a house while she chases mm. you and then rubbing that off is not okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So basically the visit yeah, has it's just the most of it. The whole thing is just it ain't right. Now, do you think, uh, between the two kids, Becca and, um, Tyler, uh, how do you think you would have handled what was going on in that movie? I think, I mean, Becca's 15. She sure. should know better than to rub off something like that. If you are told to get into an oven, oh. if you are told, <laughs> let's play hide and seek, and she goes crazy, and it's fine. She's just an old person. Yeah, but I guess I could see a world, too, where you think... If, if you mean, think yeah. these are, you know, your actual grandparents and that kind of thing, like, it would be confusing and sure. maybe you'd I mean, feel uncomfortable, there's, but... There's to a point where you can blame it on how old they are, but at the end of the day, this It's not okay. It's not okay. Get in the oven. Uh-uh. That one's intense. And then she closes it later. She does it twice. Near the end, she closes it and she's like, oh... Grandma just, closes uh-huh. her in it? Yes. Oh, okay. Is that... Is Tyler present? Yes. Or, yeah, yeah. He's present for that one. Yeah. It was right before family game night. Yahtzee! (laughs) (laughs) I'm proud of you. You watched that one on your repeat viewing all by yourself. Uh Uh, You did finish it in the daylight, though, so... Yeah. I was like 20... I was like 25 minutes until the end. It was like 11 o'clock. I was like... uh, I mean, to the question of uh, how would you react, I think while Pop Pop's Poop Poop is... (laughs) Is is a is a, a, that ain't right? Just par excellence. Uh, I do think when the mom tells them that was, that's not your grandparent. I yeah. mean, that's that's stomach that dropping. Like that makes yeah. you poop. <laughs> <laughs> you join poop club here at the Fear of God Penny. We have what we call poop club, which is when something happens in a movie that's so alarming, startling, what have you, that oh god, I just joined poop club. I you know you just you just got to prep like pop pop. But rewatching that too, you can tell she never ever sees them. Right. Yeah. And that is uh, kind of the when and and you are right to point out Shyamalan loves a twist. Um, they don't all work super great. Like I would say, the the village's twist is requires a stretch and believability that these people would be able to pull this off the way they do. Yeah. But the visits is so simple mm-hmm. that it kind of works brilliantly uh, because the way the movie itself is is laid out, the mom never sees them yeah. until a certain point. The kids have no reason to think this isn't who they thought it would be. She probably didn't have any present pictures of them either. Right, right, because they were uh, estranged. Uh-huh. Um, uh, any final that it writes you want to talk about from these four movies? I mean, going back to the visit, sadly... Uh, when they record her during the night and she's just carrying around a knife. Yeah. That's not... Ugh. Do you enjoy T. Diamond Styles? Oh my very gosh. funny. He's very funny. He knows how to end one, though. Jesus, Becca. I'm blind. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh such a great gosh. moment. Um, and then they're on a FaceTime with the mom and she's like, she used to do some crazy stuff sunbathing in the backyard with no warning. She's like, he was like, mom, we're already half blind. Yeah. Yeah. 
Very, he is very funny. They they cast that one well. I would say of other of the uh, from the other movies, one of the best that it writes to me is when Noah stabs Lu- uh, Lucius oh in the village. That one, that one's rough because yeah. the way it's the way it's visually set up uh, in the movie itself. As you're watching it, you don't know what has happened, uh-huh. and just the fact that he did that at all. Um, okay, wonderful. Yes, we. I think we've covered. Um, you know, the cream of the crop, uh, uh, at least as far as pop-pop is concerned with that ain't right. So did you squirm? Did you wince? Did you close your eyes real tight? Squint your eyes real tight is probably because of what we around here call that ain't right. That sure as hell ain't right. Um, wonderful. Well, Penny, we just have a few more questions to jump into here of these four movies. Um, the, the, the last flurry of questions I asked you here was, did you have a favorite character or performance? And then what was your favorite story from these films? So we'll, we'll talk about the character or performance one. So, um, you know, pick whichever one you want, Penny, favorite character or performance or, or speak to both if you'd like. Um, I think that Joaquin Phoenix did great in both because like, Oh, in signs and in the village. Yeah. uh Yeah. Because I feel like in the village, he took on the perspective of like a really, closed off kind of person whereas yeah. in signs he's like just More. so supportive and yeah. always at the ready but i mean character wise i loved ivy yes she it's was, hard not to love ivy yeah. i mean i i mean that uh the some of the themes of the village i, I struggle with a little bit but the characters in it and their mm-hmm. journey is really beautiful to me and I mean, I reference this on our formal recent conversation about the village, but one of my favorite scenes for that character, and it's it's heartbreaking, but it's when she knows Lucius is hurt and she's kind of moving swiftly through the meadow, counting her steps to try to get to this house and, and finds him and uh, is really broken up by it naturally. Um, she tells her dad she can't see his color anymore. Yeah, that's tough. But what is his color? We never find oh, out. Never that's such a sad ending. Like, she comes back with the medicine, but you don't know if he's still alive or not. You don't know if he can be saved. Because it, hmm. it would probably be at least a two days time period between when they could actually medicate him and when he got stabbed. And not only did he get stabbed once, he got stabbed multiple times. Yeah, at least, at least yeah. two or three, three or four. Um, that's interesting you say that because we've had conversations on the show about the village and, and how it ends and, and what, how hopeful or not the ending is. Um, you know, I think there's a decent chance we're supposed to believe Lucius can be saved. But what I don't love about the end of the village is, you know, you learn by the end of it that, that the adults are, are basically lying to the whole community and that how I interpret the ending is, is this, this lie will carry forth, you know, like, they don't break that cycle. Um, and I, I don't love that as a theme, uh, but you, you raise an even uh, an interesting point, too, that even the potential of Lucius surviving or not is still kind of a question mark. Um, any other characters or performances you want to point to or talk about? Um, I mean, I think in that, like, in the storyline-wise, the scene when the dad is talking to the elders about telling Ivy, mm-hmm. I think that's pretty powerful because he's like we created this whole thing we can either continue it or it has to stop now yeah um and they all get mad at him for making that decision on his own but he is an elder he has that right and i think that that brings to the scene of when he's showing her 
the outfits and he says, mm-hmm. probably best not to scream. Yes. That's a great a scene. scene. Yeah. And I think that they did it well with not, cause he says that line and then you cut to her in the woods mm-hmm. and says a flashback. I think it's interesting that that's how they ended up using it. Well, I love the structure of that last little leg there of the movie where we know as a viewer, uh, so the, the dramatic irony of you as a viewer know he has told her we we made this up, but there were murmurings of something in the woods. Yeah. And then she encounters the Noah version out in the woods mm-hmm. and you still think, oh, crap, this is still yeah. a real thing. That's a, I love that scene. I do think, though, that you pointed out the first time that I watched this when um, you they locked Noah up for hurting um, Lucius. And then they're like, he found the costume. You had mentioned that the way that they had said that, like, he found it, he found it, he found the outfit. Like, they didn't need to include that last part mm-hmm. because you want to, like, you can figure it out that if he's out in the woods by himself sure. and he made it up, like, you can put together that. Well, and that's another movie, too, kind of like your your note about The Sixth Sense, where if you rewatch it, knowing Noah is involved, it, it a lot of his behavior is very telling. So things like, uh, because I love the scene, we talk a lot on the show about the scene where uh, Ivy's holding her hand out mm-hmm. to be saved. Well, I happened to be watching that scene recently and had the subtitles on. And Noah's lines from inside the house is come in, come in. But he's talking yeah. to the monsters. Like, he's excited, yeah. not scared at yeah, all. because even when they had some alarm, he was happy. He was like, they're coming, they're coming. Yeah. Like, he knows that something's happening. And I think that that, brings to attention the relationship between Ivy and her sister, mm. which I loved because of how heartbroken she was about Lucius and then talking about how she could never lose her love for each other. Mm. That was really sweet. That's good to hear as a sister. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, let's see. Any other favorite characters or performances? Um, I do love, uh, you brought up Meryl or I'm sorry. Yeah. Meryl and signs. Kind of love everybody in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, last question was of these four movies, uh, the village, the visit signs, six cents. Um, what would you say was your favorite story that one of these movies told? What, what did you like about them? I mean, I, I loved the whole story and all of the six cents. Um, I think that it was great the way that it was mentioned with how hard it was mm-hmm. for the mom going through the divorce um, as a single parent, how creeped up because she knew that something was happening with Cole. Mm-hmm. Um, and that brings the scene of when he had taken the bumblebee pen, mm-hmm. but it was actually the grandmother. Mm-hmm. And she got so mad and she was like, I won't get mad, just tell me the truth. Um, which then, when he's like, Mom, I need to tell you something, uh, she gets, she's like, Stop, this is hurting. Right. And brings up what happened. Because he does say the grandmother. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because he was like, I've seen grandma, she says, blah, 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 and blah. Um, which brings up the ballet story about her actually seeing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he's like, the woman died, and she's like, How, can you see her? Oh, yeah. And he's like, he, she's right outside my window. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. That's intense. Uh-huh. Every time that they turn and you see something missing. Mm-hmm. Ugh. <laughs> ugh. But I think, I think something that's really beautiful about The Sixth Sense is... Um, you know, in storytelling, you talk about the arc of a character, like like 
they start at point A, they end at point B. What is the change that happens in them? And what's fascinating to me about the sixth sense is, um, or you also talk about the problem a character has. So in, in, in Cole, the problem isn't, I see dead people. The problem is they scare me to death. Mm -hmm. And so that's what's kind of interesting to me about the sixth sense is, is the, the arc of Cole's character isn't let me stop seeing dead people. It's the peace he makes with, okay, now I know I've got to help them. And, Mm -hmm. and even little things like, if you recall, when he's at the theater towards the end and the woman's doing his makeup and then she mm-hmm. turns and it's, it's a ghost, you know, it's a dead person. Cause someone comes in yeah, and asks who you're talking to. And, and so you're just seeing Cole is now at peace. Is that who it was? Mm-hmm. Don't, don't say that. <laughs> um, well, cool. I, I yeah, I, I love, I kind of love all the stories of these four. Um, you know, I love in signs, Graham's, starting point of kind of anger and bitterness resolving in kind of peace and that sort of thing. Um, I loved the flashbacks with the mom and oof. when, when they had boarded up the whole house and he's talking to each of the children and he's like, he's just as I dreamed at the birth. Yeah. Oh, telling wow. the birth stories. Uh-huh. Yeah. So then let me tell you your birth story real quick. Oh. <laughs> Cause there's aliens on the roof. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, well, Penny, is there any final thoughts you'd like to share on your experience of, uh, these Shyamalan films? Are, do you feel like you're a sort of horror fan? How would you rank your... I think so, yeah. I feel like sometimes it's also just, what did I just watch? Like, there's, to a point where it's like, oh my gosh, and fun. Like... Recount a little bit your memory of the experience of watching The Visit for the first time. The Visit. That was fun. Oh, we had the neighbors over. Um, we had had the neighbors over, and we were like, "Do you want to watch this movie with us?" And one of them is totally frightened, like Lucy is, and one of them is not at all. And so we had even mentioned it up uh, a couple weeks ago, and the older one was like, "I it wasn't scary. I don't know what you guys are talking about." And the rest of us were like, "What was your experience?" Then? Um, I mean, I think that it was fun to watch it with people that we're close to. Um, I think it's always fun in your way of you knowing what's going to happen and sure. like seeing the way that we react. Yeah. That happened with Lost too when you knew whatever was going to happen. Um, I think that all of the like big events of her crawling on the floor and her butt naked scratching the floor is <laughs> like, <laughs> you knew, you knew what was coming right. and you knew how we would react to that kind of thing. Um, so I thought that that experience was really cool to watch it with people that we knew. Do you... Do you, um, as a growing horror fan, so so largely there's things called jump scares and there's kind of dread, right? That's a different form of getting scared, you know, where it's like a, a creeping feeling is, is, you know, setting in. Do you have a favorite version of either of those types of scares, the jump scare versus the dread moment? I mean, I feel like both have their moments. Like, if you know that something's happening and it's only like a matter of time compared to... I feel like there's a fun in it if you have no idea what's about to happen and sure. boom, it just happens. Sure. So, I, I mean, I guess jump scare would be more fun for me because, like, it's completely out of the blue. You don't know what's going to happen and there it is. And usually with jump scares, it's going to be pretty big. Um, you've also seen several subgenres now. So, you've got a ghost story in Sixth Sense. You've got an alien invasion story in Signs. You've got a uh, crazy people story in The Visit. And you've got sort of a monster movie in The Village. Uh, of those subgenres, is there one you like more than others? 
I do. I think that the twist in signs with the aliens, like, it's not the jumping out of UFO run. Like, there's all of this creeping up to it of, are these actually real? What happened to our crops? It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, there's the big mystery of what is happening. Um, and when they actually think that they have gone, and then he swings away. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that they all are different. Because if you just say alien, you're going to think of a green creature. But that was like a different spin on it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I feel like I liked that version of it. Um, and is this why also you're, you're leaving cups of water around the house just in yeah. case? Mm-hmm. Yeah. should never know. Never know. I thought it was just the amoebas. Uh-huh. <laughs> Contaminated. Right, right. Water. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, well, Penny, thank you so much for being on The Fear of God. We'll have to figure out a way to get you back on soon. And we will now... Uh, dial back into the Shamalama wrap up. <laughs> and wasn't that fascinating and lovely, ladies and gentlemen, friends and foggers? That was Penny. I'm sure it will not be the last time she appears. That's awesome on the show. And what so what astute and wise observations she made. Uh, the apple truly does not fall far from the tree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right awesome. so i'm gonna read you these questions that you sent to me uh for the for the listeners because i want you to field them is it okay if we if i name both of these next two questions yeah yeah go uh, ahead and then go you, ahead. Yeah. you field them how you want yeah. so um we really wanted to do uh shammy justice in this shamalama wrap-up um and so you know thinking through kind of the filmmaking aspect of of kind of his place uh uh in the industry and that sort of thing so you asked these questions. What do you want to see from Shamalan in the coming years? Uh, and then what is a film from another director you think Shamalan could remake in his style? Mm. I'm going to sort of do a bit of a, a swerve merge meld of these two in a particular way, but I want to hear from you because you like this. What's a film from another director style question? Like sure. what, what did yeah, you come yeah, up with here? I, I want to know what you sure. What you so you want, you want me to kick that down? Okay. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, it's an it's an interesting exercise for me just uh, to think about resonance of different filmmaking styles and to see how uh, one person's particular approach to a subject and being curious about how a different director with a different distinct sensibility might approach the same subject. Um, mine may be a little bit of a cheat because I think he has sometimes been compared this way most distinctly because of his uh, tendency to cast himself uh, as a cameo in his films. But I would love to see him remake a Hitchcock film, just Mm. legitimately take an Alfred Hitchcock film and remake it. I don't want him to do what they did, what Gus Van Sant did and remake Psycho shot for shot, because that was clearly a very vain and, and, and kind of absurd exercise. But I would love to see what M. Night Shyamalan might bring to a film like Rear Window. He loves intimate chamber pieces with, you know, sort of confined locations. Uh, so what might he do with a film like Rear Window? What might he do with, with a film like Rope? Um, you know, or, or, or something that's uh, maybe uh, a, a little bit, I feel like he's kind of already made the birds with the happening, like the happening kind of, kind of feels like it's, it's kind of trying that. But I, despite how much his style already echoes Alfred Hitchcock, 
uh, or at least is is kind of definitely beholden to Alfred Hitchcock. I would love to see what would emerge if M. Night Shyamalan directly said, I'm going to remake Rear Window. Rear Window is what I thought of when I thought of this question. I was like, I would love to see M. Night Shyamalan's real, Rear Window. And I would love to see what he did with that visually, how he would change the narrative. Would there be a shocker at the end or not? And so, yeah. So that, that's you know what's what funny about you saying that though is is you punted Psycho, but at the same time, that's yeah, that's Shyamalan, right? Oh, you know, yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I mean, meaning just as in the twist notion of it, and, yeah. and yeah. you know, taking previous to Sixth Sense at least sure. the most uh, shocking twist in cinema history, and and him kind of doing his take on it, but yeah, no, um, no I mean, I, I think that's a fair. And and I was going to say obvious. That sounds like a slight. I'm not meaning it as, but no, like, no, no, that that kind of slots in and makes sense. Um, is that what you would kind of slot in as kind of the what do you want to see from him sort well, of answer as well? Why or is there something different? No, the, slightly different. What I would like to see from him in the forward view is I I would like to see. I know he's never going to move away from emotional resonance. I know he's never going to move away from like suspense and things like that, but. I would like to see him tackle something where the stakes are smaller with probably the only exception being the visit. Every, every film that I can think of has like earth shattering stakes. Knock at the cabin is literally, you know, you know, apocalyptic end of the world. Um, you know, I feel like glass it's, it's very bombastic about like this, you know, uh, broader, you know, labyrinthine, underground covert operation that are trying to subvert superheroes old has these sweeping ramifications about this uh, particular place even lady in the water he's going to change the world and and so i feel like i would like to ha- to see him tackle a, a story where the stakes are really just for these characters i want to see him do that again I, I, I'm, I'm struggling to think of another film that he did uh, that that didn't have like more broad uh, global ramifications. Maybe the village is 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 along the same lines because it's only those people who isolated themselves. Um, but yeah, I just I want to see him do something where the stakes are smaller and more intimate and probably more in alignment with what he does really well, as opposed to busting it out into some big global apocalyptic sentiment no yeah i'm in total agreement there so Mm. kind of bouncing off some of those ideas like i do have things i'm interested in and i think would be worthwhile takes it wouldn't be as specific as like hitchcock though it actually brushes up against that so Mm. i'll just i'll name the things okay? okay what i want is a Shyamalan styled final girl horror movie. Ooh, that and would be I fun. What I want mm-hmm. is is damn it, give me a Shyamalan styled monster movie. Like I I, mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like he's flirted with both of these things, but that sentimental distraction gets in the way. I think Split is at least an a, a, a an at least slight wink towards final girl ishness. Sure, but sure. I, but but it becomes so infatuated with the final girl that I, I, I feel like it kind of loses that aspect of it, um, even though arguably she's literally, quote unquote, the final girl. Um, yeah. What I'm like, what a movie that I just really love that is kind of the spirit of what I would love to see is Ready or Not. Like that mm. you get a real strong lead who's just good on screen. Get rid of the the 
baggage aspect of of what something like split has baked into it right right um yeah so so i'll leave that there but but then on the monster movie side dude like he feels so primed for that honestly Mm. what came to mind was two things what came to mind was i i don't need a direct analog of this but but something in the spirit of bong joon ho's the host which we've covered Mm. okay yeah something Mm -hmm. in that kind of spirit but then alternately read that actually kind of could serve his man wrestling with self. And by man, I mean, generic, uh, person, you know, humanity <laughs> wrestling with self. Sure. Uh, but also there's a way into the twist and you could make it part of IP too is the Wolfman. Mm. I think he'd do mm. a really cool take on the Wolfman. You'd get traditional horror, which he's good at. You'd get that. Jekyll and Hyde person warring with self kind of thing. He seems fascinated with. Sure. I don't know. I just like the more I sat with that concept, you know, cause he's so good. I think servant, um, this is going to be a strong take. I think servant loses its way as a horror piece, even if it's still kind mm. of, you know, horror ish. Um, yeah, but even, I don't disagree. but even still has a lot of horror aesthetic to it. I want that. Yeah. But amplified. I want, just don't sweeten it up. I think a lot about our, what, whatever the film was we did of Guillermo that I was like, please just stop caring so deeply for the monster. Like, just give me a monster. Right. <laughs> you know? right, like, right. Right. Um, th- that kind of idea, like, like give me something where it's, you know, uh, uh, whether in the spirit of the howling or something in that Wolfman vein, like, I don't know that, that idea kept coming to me of just something that's, Creepy, scary, true horror, but also you can dollop on some of that, you know, kind of uh, sentiment slash, you yeah. know, human interest side of it too. Yeah. So yeah, those those no, are kind of I, my, my my thoughts there. Those would be, uh, I I think those would be very exciting to see. Um, co-signed, co-signed, full. I love you it. You hear that, Shammy? <laughs> the fog, the fog, to the, the fog has spoken. The fog has spoken. <laughs> well, read. Well, there's no time like the end. And, you know, uh, uh, in fitting chamois fashion, we're going to twist our way into a a rundown of our 12 to 1, right? Or is it 13? What is on the list? It's 13. 13 or 12. We covered 13 films. Um, Our our 12 to 1. um, (laughs) Sorry, I got a text right when I said it. I said the same thing again. Our 13 to (laughs) 1 list. Of our Shyamalan rankings here. Okay, this is mm-hmm. how we're going to end this episode. This is how we're going to end Shyamalama uh, Rama. Uh, yeah. This is how we're. This is the Shyamalama wrap up. Wrap up. Indeed, okay. we are Indeed. heading for the end. So, not to belabor the point anymore. I think we both know what number thirteen is. It is glass. Wow. I'm just kidding. Wow. You jerk. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, it is what on three. One, two, three. After, after Earth. Earth. Yes, oh, After you, Earth is... Now, yep. get it out of our mouths quick, lest we get slapped yeah. too quick. We'll move along fast. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, After Earth After Earth is the bottom of the barrel. Yes. This, now, Reed, is where it will get interesting. Um, I think so. I'm very curious. I will tell you my number 12 is, just being honest, my brother, it's Lady in the Water. It's just... Okay. All right. Just, yep. Tire for me. It is. It is. I ain't just, mad at you. It is just like a like drac on the surface of the ocean. You know? Wow! It's like 
Well, you know, like earlier when you said when Heap is talking to Story, and I was like, "Are you saying characters?" I don't know what you're talking about right now. Well, yeah, <laughs> these sure, concepts. Sure. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Wow. What is your number twelve read? <laughs> I'm actually quite curious here. Even though it rose a bit in estimation, uh, the happening lands at number twelve for me. I still consider it probably the 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 least and uh, uh, just a notch above After Earth. If I have to watch The Happening again, I ain't going to be mad about it. Uh, and that is enough to give it just a little bit above After Earth. Because if I have to watch After Earth again, I'm going to be mad about it. So <laughs> I need to qualify my list by the fact that I hate making lists. And even okay. just 24 okay. hours ago, this changed. Okay, so I'm letting you know a moment's going to come where you might get mad at me. Just, just. Let it ride, because <laughs> I'll see okay, you in, I'll see you in the squared circle. Um, <laughs> All right. So, yeah, that's my number 12. Okay. Why don't you name your number 11? We'll go right. back and forth like this. My number 11, I know I'm going to make some people mad when I uh, put this, because there's some fans of this, but old. Old lands at number okay. 11 for me. Um, yeah. Lot, lot to love on some superficial levels. Lot to really not love on some deeper, richer levels. So 11 is old for me. What's your number 11? Hmm. So the bottom half of my list, they're all relatively close to each other. Okay. It's all about okay. degrees. So you're going to okay. hear ultimately when we get to 10, 9, 8, 7. You're going to hear once I get to 7. You're like, really, Nathan? That's at 7? Like, fine. They're all like right there. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I get, it. I get it. So I don't my judge number, lists. That's it. Yeah. You're allowed to. I'm not saying you can't. Like, okay, then I will. Go right ahead. Uh, my number 11 is Wide Awake. Um, okay. I can, yeah. I can recognize it. I can sort of appreciate it. It is not one I will visit with any urgency. Yeah. Not even because I think it's bad. I just, that, okay. So that's how it placed. It placed because it's so, it's just like a neutral presence. Like, huh. Okay. Yep. All right. All right. That. All right. It, it does shock me, not because Wide Awake is that low, but because what clearly isn't that low. <laughs> this is what that I said. Does, Seven that, down, they're all a little bit that in does the mix shock together. Me. That does shock me. Okay, <laughs> so so that was your number eleven, right? Correct. Okay, you know how much I, you know, have commented on Wide Awake over time and expressed affection for it and expressed endearment towards it. My number ten is Wide Awake. Um, okay. bec- because I feel like as you know, we, we, we had a whole B side about it patrons, uh, where we dove into our thoughts, the good and the bad about wide awake. There wasn't actually a whole lot bad. It's just, uh, what's good there kind of rarely rises. If ever rises to great, there's just a lot of good there never really rises to great. So that's why wide awake lands at number 10 for me. Hmm. What's your number? Uh, 10? my number 10 right now. August 24th, okay. 2023, my number 10 on my 1 through 13 rankings of Shyamalan is Knock at the Cabin. Um, okay. That's what I thought would be lower. Yeah. Um, again, they're all, it's just. All a little relative. Yeah. They're all by yeah. a narf's hair or whatever the hell that stupid dog thing is in the Lady in the Water. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a scrunt, Mr. Hate. Scrunt. I was thinking snarf, which is from He-Man and far cooler. Um, Knock at the Cabin. I. I I, I respect the hell out of its production. I sincerely do. I, I just, I'm mm. not, I'm not at the cognitive, I'm not at the intellectual place where I can get on board with what I think are its, its sort of thematic okay. weaknesses. So not going to have number 10. Mm. Um, I'm All going right. to go at my number nine and then you do your number go nine, right? 
13, 12, Go 11, 10, 9. Yep. My number nine. <laughs> Surprising me. But I just, I, it's like, I mean. Oh, my God. What are you going to do? <laughs> number nine is the happening. Um, wow. I think, wow. I think the totality of the happening is a broken mm-hmm. piece of cinema. <laughs> but <laughs> I, <laughs> I think. The happening this, is broken. <laughs> <laughs> I think the strength of some of its pieces are, as I even showed by my favorite scenes, are some some true peak chamois. Um, okay. I think sure. I think it's I. Th- <laughs> I'm not going to defend it. It just is what it is. I'm just t- I'm, <laughs> no. I'm just reading back what some dude made a list of on Letterboxd. <laughs> Listen, some guy okay. named so th- Nathan Rouse. So, so that you don't feel completely out like a lady in the water, um, I will concur with you that especially a couple of the sequences we mentioned on the episode, um, like they're they're incredible. The bet I, I won't take an inch away from the Betty Buckley cabin scene. Not not one inch. Uh, some of the sequences in the first fifteen minutes when people are dying and some of the visual stylings and the harrowing nature of it. I won't take any of that away from you. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not begrudging your. Your number nine. Cool. I'm not, I'm, cool. I'm, I'm, what I'm, is your I'm, number nine? My number nine. Um, I don't know if this will surprise you or not, but is Lady in the Water. Uh, Lady in the Water carries emotional resonance for me, but I don't really argue very much about its deeply flawed construction narratively. Uh, there's a lot of problems with Lady in the Water. I will never say it's garbage, but I. It's still has so many challenges that are so overtly avoidable uh, that it's hard not to, you know, just say like, okay. But for me, the emotional resonance remains something that at least gives it enough oomph to land at uh, number nine for me. So that's my number nine. Um, what's your number eight? My number eight, um, a film that I'm still sort of reconciling with, which is why it lands almost smack in the middle of this list, is uh, Knock at the Cabin. Um, I appreciated a lot about it. I resonated a lot with certain elements of it. Uh, can't quite shake off some of the more troublesome aspects of it to me. Perhaps if you, it, it is a film on, on our episode. Uh, it, I, I, I don't know if this is calling you out. I'm not intending to call you out. I'm just citing a, a distinction here that, uh, on your, on our episode about it, you implied that uh, that you may never watch that again. Since that time, I think there has been some a little bit more. I don't know if it's generosity or just a kind of a well. Maybe over time, I would revisit it and 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 do that. I have always felt like okay, I'm going to rewatch this movie again, uh, and maybe over time, I will be able to better clarify either what my difficulties with with it are. Um, or what my praise of it would be. Uh, but for now, it lands at number eight because I haven't quite well, resolved and reconciled you, that. Uh, because you said I'm not calling you out and then I'm, I'm giving you a, a bit of a jokey hard time here. I think for me, the <laughs> knock at the cabin of it all is simply that. I, it, it's not that I, you know, like if five years from now, we're like, let's do a bunch of chamois reduxes. Nathan, how you feel about knock? I'd be like, okay, fine, whatever. You know, I can, mm-hmm, I can mm-hmm. intellectually get on board with the exercise of examining it from that standpoint. I think I am not where you and many others are in terms of thinking its themes are as cogent and uh, as we all tend to do. I think the themes I'm seeing in it are there and I don't like those themes. 
if that makes sense. Uh, and, and in fact, it think does. as I use the word, uh, use the word irresponsible there, I, I would still probably level that charge a little bit. I'm mm-hmm. my generosity towards a, a future openness is simply, I can recognize, you know, uh, Rashomon style. Well, we're all coming at things from different angles. I can be open to the possibility of, you know, future mind being changed. Um, so yeah, no, that was your number eight. Kind of surprising me. I'll own it here. Numbers. Uh, well, no, I wouldn't put this one higher. Uh, this one surprised me. It, it squeaked up as high as it did. Um, just because to me, like I said, a lot of this lower half of the list are all relatively close to each other is old. Um, I think, okay. I actually think old's story holds together. Mm. Um, even if I think there might be better ways to have told that story. Um, I think it is, uh, it's deeply emblematic of some of the weaknesses we talked about 30 minutes ago. Um, but it is also a pretty, pretty strong entry in the horror canon for Shyamalan. Um, so yeah, again, I'm not, I'm actually not, I don't feel passionately about its placement where it is. I could easily knock it down a few, um, levels, but as far as what I felt passionate about that lower part of the list squeaked it up there. Uh, so that's my number eight. I'll go to uh, my number seven and then I'll come back to you for your seven and six. Uh, right now my seven is glass. Um, you know, I think, Mm. and, and, and I will, I stand surprised at that. So, um, Mm -hmm. I think this is what is just kind of weird. Like the best of Shamulan's uh, uh, canon are, are pretty unassailable on a, on a, more or less. Uh, and, and I even mean from a just watchability standpoint, like, sure. Yeah. You could sit down, pop that in, you know, maybe some you've seen before and they might feel a little tired, but they're still like, Oh, this is just eminently watchable sort of movie going. But then yeah. there's some where I'm like, okay, but there's a, there's some qualifiers here. Uh, glass <laughs> sure. kind of enters that category where there is some really good stuff because mm-hmm. it's his last statement on this kind of trilogy. It becomes a bit top heavy with sentiment and theme and, yeah, and yeah. in ways mm-hmm. that are, you know, for good or ill subversive. Uh, sure. Yeah, I understand. But, but it even does give me a little bit of what I would have expected in some of the things. So, you know, go back and listen to our glass conversation to hear Nathan's uh, slight about face on that one. So it is my number seven. What's your number seven? Okay. Uh, do you want me to go seven and six? Yeah. And then I'll come back. For yeah. Six okay. And five. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, we'll do two at a time. All right. So my number seven, uh, in a comparable spirit, but dipping down, this used to be in the top five. Um, and this, it was this rewatch that rattled some things around for me. Number seven is split. Uh, I mentioned earlier in our episode about how I think it is possibly one of his strongest constructed pieces, uh, of, of just film storytelling. I, this time around could not dismiss some of the more troubling elements. And so that's why it dipped down a little bit. Number seven, uh, for me and overtaking it, uh, for almost the opposite reasons, because the more I watch the film, the more I continue to just enjoy the heck out of it and can find myself easily, uh, going back to it. Uh, you know, it, it may be even more so than some of his other films. Uh, so, and maybe it will continue to rise. Number six is the visit for me. Um, mm. I feel like it's, uh, the only thing that's kind of holding it back is some objective measurements of the strength of some of the films that I haven't cited yet. But, uh, 
but maybe in rewatchability, <laughs> it's going to keep rising up for me. So yeah, number six is the visit. Awesome. Um, this is getting fun. Okay. Yeah. My number six is split. Um, I okay. think I can't deny any of the problems you identify with. It. I, I share them. Um, I think it's strength as a horror piece and it's strength as a, a, a showcase for what McAvoy is capable of kind of edge it up the list a little bit here. Um, I like that. It's, um, you know, just a little bit more direct than some of his other stuff. So now sure. that's six through 13. Okay. Five through one. Top five here is I'm not going to do all five right now. I'm saying we're in in, top now five. that we're in it. Yeah. Let's be in it then. So we're in it. Mm-hmm. More or less. Three through five are a little bit all kind of. Okay. This is the list currently. That's not me. Def- that's not me saying they're all uh, uh, can take each other's place. I may change there. The list is by degrees in these three. And and this. Okay. Okay. This top five changed about 24 hours ago. Okay. Um, all right. All right. Right now at number five is unbreakable. I think for me, mm-hmm. I actually love unbreakable. And in fact, yeah, yeah. I gave unbreakable four and a half stars on letterboxd. If, ah. and because these things, because now that we're in the top five, you got to be a bit more specific with what's holding it, where it's at. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, Unbreakable's ending doesn't feel enough like an ending from a just sort of structural way standpoint. Okay. Um, yeah. That kind of just drops it. it I don't mean it's um, a false ending or it's not a. It, I don't understand the ending. I just mean sure. from a pure yeah, yeah, yeah. just emotional kind of thriller storytelling movie going experience. It just kind mm-hmm. of stops at the cliff, and you're like, well, yeah. I, yeah. Do I mm-hmm. fall off the cliff or do I look behind me? And yes. and you know, I, I concur. Yeah. Kind of, kind of in the way we talked about servant, it doesn't quite choose for me mm-hmm. um, in ways I wish it did, but so that's what kind of has it at five right now in August of 2023. But I love so much of what unbreakable does and is about uh, and the way it looks yeah. and the way it's delivered, the way it's otherwise structured, the performances. Um, it was so novel at the time to, to attack, uh, comic storytelling the way it did or to present it the way it did. Um, sure. It's, it's tender. It's sweet. I, I love it. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's my number five. That was my six. And then my five, you can, we can go one and one from here Let's on go out. One and one now that we're okay. in the top five. What's your number um, five? So my number five is unbreakable. Um, okay. so we, we're, we're the same on that. Uh, for many of the same reasons that you cited, I, I love it. Um, in light of the trilogy now all being released, I feel that, um, you know, it's hard for me to view that film in isolation now. Um, and I think that is part of what uh, kind of perhaps ironically holds it back a little bit from being higher in the list. But also, I think as strongly as it's constructed, I do struggle a little bit even with its uh, emotional resonance uh, a little bit for me uh, in light of the way uh, the, the, the rest of the holistic piece kind of kind of informs unbreakable and doesn't allow it to sit by itself anymore. But anyway, I, I still think it's, you know, an exceptional film. Uh, so yeah, it's number five for me as well. Um, All right. What is your number four? This one might surprise you a little bit. Um, okay. Number four for me is the village. Um, I gave it five stars. So mm-hmm. my love is still real. So this top five run, like I said, any, any drawback, 
mm-hmm. becomes a holdback, uh, even if yeah. Yeah. It, it, it has strong positives otherwise. I can't deny Reed. One, okay, so like I said about Knock of the Cabin a few entries ago, uh, the the take I'm seeing, I feel, is, is true to what I'm seeing and perhaps what's being presented, yeah. even if there might be disagreement there. Sure. I feel like where we landed on our village conversation this go around, you and I were kind of at differing ends of exactly how hopeful or not uh, the future is for mm-hmm. breaking breaking this cycle of falsehood. Um, I yeah. think I, I'm I don't see that. Uh, I even rewatched sure. the final two minutes today to be like, what is is there something you know definitive enough to kind yeah. of steer me yeah. either way? And and so. My holdback isn't the plot. The end ends a little bleaker than I'd love. My holdback is you, you named this 30 minutes ago, mm-hmm. the world building with, with, but a, uh, uh, with, but a breeze from the trees, uh, <laughs> you know, transmitting their toxin will kind of fall apart. And yeah, if I'm yeah. being real cutthroat on this top five, um, it's, it's, it's the, the integrity of the, of the conceit okay uh falls apart pretty readily and also mm-hmm. just the world we live in right now a minority's unreality mm-hmm. being uh broadcast as like the thing that's worth buying in on yeah is a sure. very perilous sort of like way to live in a society so that that, that's an unfair slight to the film but i even think taking the film on its own terms which is you know i I love every performer in this i love the production design i love as we've talked about the score i think what keeps it as high as it is is the romantic thread of lucius and ivy um i love yeah i love 95 percent of it but that five (laughs) percent is doing a lot of work to keep it out of that top three so yeah that's no. Village is four for me right now. I get it. Um, okay, so number four for me, uh, it's no surprise that I've championed this film for a very long time. It's Glass. Um, I was one of the rare individuals who, from walking out of the theater, loved Glass um, and have been sort of trying to make my case for why it's a film that should not be so tacitly dismissed. Uh, and I don't know how successful I've been at that. Um I, it heartens me a little bit, that even that that your esteem for it rose from your sure. initial take. I don't know. I'm not taking credit for that, but that just heartens me because I think reengaging. You let the, the film, film take credit for that. Reading. Exactly, okay. exactly. Because I think reengaging the film uh, does have that impact. So, uh, but uh, you know, I know there's some people who would be like, "Really, Glass over Unbreakable?" Yes, for me, yes. I feel like the culmination moved me and did a lot for me in ways that uh, I wasn't necessarily expecting it to. And over time has been further entrenched as something that uh, I find very uh, challenging and inspiring in some different ways. That's not to remove its own problematic elements, uh, things that we went into greater detail on on our episode. But that lands, for me, uh, glass at number four in my Shyamalan list. Okay, number three. This is the one that will probably surprise you a little bit, uh, that it's as high as it is. Uh, but right now, August 24th, 2023, the visit is number three on my Shyamalan rankings. And, I love it. And it's just the more I stared at this top five, I was like, dad gummit. Like I find so little to, to kind of keep it out. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, like mm-hmm. if I'm trying to be like, okay, what I think thematically it's not, it's, it's pretty inoffensive, you know, so there's nothing like, yeah. you know, that I think it is, if I were interested, okay, this is what I was going after with my, mm-hmm. uh, give me a final girl, give me a horror, uh, a monster take. It's like, give me just something sure. that I can just say to yeah. someone, this one, watch this one. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. this is fun. Get some friends or let me join. I'll come over. Like. This is one. It's fun beginning yeah. to end. It's well performed. It's well constructed. Uh, sure. the, the twist of it, it is very different than the impact of a sixth sense, but for the nature of the story it's telling is perfect. Uh, it's yeah. very organically, yeah. uh, uh, positioned and placed. I just couldn't find maybe surprising you. I've, I've got it at five stars on letterboxd. Um, uh, just because, no. okay. Just because I'm like, yeah. there's just, there's just not really anything to complain about here for people who like what we like. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. Absolutely. I would almost rank it as perhaps his most accessible, uh, just most easy to watch for, for, yeah. I mean, for, for horror people, that is absolutely true for people who are, you know, a, a little bit less inclined to really go, uh, for, for the teeth in terms of horror. Uh, there's maybe other ones. Um, but, sure. But yeah, I, I I love the visit. Not going to take anything away from the visit. It's it's possible in future lists it will continue to rise. It has already in when I've redone this list, it has already continued to climb a few spaces. I think the first time I did it was landed down at like number eight or something. It's already back up at number six. So yeah, I get it. Uh, all right, number three for me uh, is the village, and I feel like the village remains something for which I hold tremendous affection. And about which I still am willing to just say like, yeah, I get its problems. I get its difficulties. I get its challenges. Um, but I I still really love the way it is about what it is about. Even if I don't totally love what it is about. Um, sure. I, I love the way it is about it. And, you know, one of my favorite scores uh, by James Newton Howard, uh, just a beautifully rendered film. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Village lands I mean, at, at number three for me, even though it's on number four, that still signals, you know, tippy top here. But I was mm-hmm. thinking about this today. Like you do this more than I do, but mm-hmm. I, even as a fan of film scores, I listen to that score without, without even thinking about it sometimes. Like, Oh, oh sure. Sure. You know? So like, yeah. uh, it's yeah, yeah, so yeah. good. Um, Wonderful. okay. Number two this here. I wonder if we're going to be the same or if we're going to be different. I think I think we might be the same because it's us. And it's anniversary time, uh, and if oh, we're not, if we're not the same. We're breaking up. Not? Yeah. <laughs> oh no! No! I'm no, I'm no trouble. I'm right now, number two on my Shyamalan rankings is the Sixth Sense. Um, I love the Sixth Sense. I have yeah, nothing sure. but yeah. love for the Sixth Sense. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. we are we are in the top three now the top two so it's all hair's breadth of differences here that yeah, keep course. one back or move one forward yeah and yeah, understand uh, um if i have any uh tempering of my love for the sixth sense in com- in competition with what's number one uh it's simply kind of familiarity may be the word rewatchability may be the word um yeah, slight yeah. uh pace may be the word uh none of those things are faults of the film itself uh just the the sure. time it's yeah. spent mm-hmm. in the uh, zeitgeist uh, but for right now yep mm-hmm. uh number two is six cents okay i 
you know, it's, it's interesting. Cause I was, I was sitting there, I was like, well, you know, I was kind of have, having an expectation of like, well, I think I, I think I know kind of where most people sit on most things, and you know, kind of kind of thought uh, that that I thought we might be different on this regard. I was like, well, I think this is one thing where at least listening to you tracking everything, and to my shock, we are the same. The sixth sense is number two for me. It's not a shock. Um, I. We are the same. Yeah. Breathe with me, Reed. Breathe, breathe, breathe with me. Breathe with me. Um, but uh, if I were making, and I, I, you know, qualify this perhaps unnecessarily, if I were making an objective list, I don't know that Sixth Sense would be second because I still think it represents perhaps uh, the the best distillation of his filmmaking strengths. But this is a favorites list for me, mm-hmm. um, and I will never forget the experience of watching Sixth Sense in the theater. Loved it. Loved it then love it now um but go going and revisiting it i'm like oh that's a, that's a wonderful movie that's a great movie um my continued reactions to what landed now we know at number 1 for both of us but what what my continued escalating reactions to watching my number 1 uh just continues to surprise it's a film that continues to surprise me whereas the sixth sense this is not a ding it's I I know what I'm getting. I love the yes. film, yep. and 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 I receive from the film consistently every time. But now I know what I'm getting with the sixth sense, and the joy and the fun is watching somebody else experience that, as I did with my son. That's the that's the joy and the fun with the sixth sense. Um, but yeah, that's why it landed at number two, shocking me uh, for my number one. So uh, so why don't we dive into it together? There's only one left, and we both know what it is. I'll let you do the honors. It's signs. I, I mean. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm even kind of flummoxed. It's st- it's there. Um, you know, I voiced in our conversation with Ian this sort of, uh, you know, cognitive ellipsis that kind of exists for me for signs. And I, I, you know, it perhaps that's a metaphor for just the the thing signs itself is after this unresolvable mystery of of uh, the beauty and tragedy inherent in living a life. Um, yeah, but. Yeah. But, you know, I, I referenced The Visit as, um, you know, accessibility for horror fans. I think this you've you've made some reference to this type of uh, assessment in recent weeks. I think I think Signs is most accessible overall, but also just it's it's very funny. Uh, it's it's mm-hmm. kind of like um Oh, what, you know, I referenced in my top scenes, like the sentimentality of this film is earned because it's baked into the story. Um, yeah. you know, yeah. like it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a swerve. Uh, uh, Graham walking out at the end is not some forced statement. It is simply the right. natural evolution right. of a character we all love and care about. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, and, and, and I said this on our conversation, I, I, this may be an overstated take, but I think it's kind of brave. I think it's kind of brave to yeah. Yeah. show the truth of how tragedy can, can wreck the, you know, the, the stoutest of faithful hearts. Uh, but yeah. what's possible yeah. in the long term of, of, mm-hmm. re- of restoration. And I, I really yeah. find that beautiful. Um, I think it, it functions as one of his best 
most cogent full statements uh, yes. uh thematically um so mm-hmm. yeah i i really kind of like my my defense of the visit at three like there's just anything you're going to take down signs on is kind of just hear me i think there's a world where again opinions can differ but it's kind of just being a bit cynical and kind of angsty you know mm. like mm. Mm. Uh, mm. uh you know anyway so yeah uh, there it is science yeah. number one yeah it's uh i mean not only do i agree with everything that you say it's funny because with the exception of a you know shoehorned twist uh tyler smith uh is the first person who introduced me to this differential in language but uh he said you know there's there is understanding what a filmmaker's best film is and what is the most of them. For instance, he always used to cite like, we don't know what Tim Burton's best film is, but the most Tim Burton film is like Batman Returns. That's the one that is kind of the most like, this is Tim Burton through and through. There's, yeah, not, yeah. A, there's not an ounce of, of uh, dilution. This is purity. And, you know, I, I feel that way about signs for M. Night Shyamalan. I'm like, this is undiluted. This is the most yeah. M. Night yeah. Shyamalan with the, you know, slight asterisk that it does not have. It, it, it's still kind of twisty at the end. It's still sort of revelatory at the end, but it's not, you know, like Sixth Sense, like Village, like so many of these it's other films. It's not a hard that turn. Just, yeah. Exactly. It's not a hard turn. Um, but I feel like this represents to date uh, the best most undiluted version of what he does best um, with the smallest amount of what his weaknesses are. Uh, They're not absent from it, but I think it has kind of the least of them except for maybe six cents. But I think what also gives signs the edge up for me, as you've already mentioned, like it's just uh, entertaining, funny, um, and, and just so effortless to watch for for me. It is so effortless to watch. Um, I watched this with my wife and son while we were walking our way through it. It would not be an arm twist for me to pull it up sure. right now yeah. and watch it. Like it has a um, weird kind of bewitching effect that way. Yeah. Yes. It really yeah. It's uh it's just it's it's we talk I, I keep references. I keep coming back to this because I think about it so daggum much. And and on our way out the door on this episode, um I, I keep going back to our once upon a time in Hollywood conversation about places to put your spirit, places to just set yourself imaginatively for a little while. And I will always invite an hour and 45 minutes to place my spirit in the world of signs. Like mm, would, yeah. would, would always invite that with its utter, as you've mentioned, utter lack of cynicism. It's unbridled hope. Um, it's, uh, it's humor, it's heart. Um, and I've already cited that, that stirring finale. Um, yeah, I love it. It's, it, 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 and I, it was it was work for me to edge it above six cents because of my objective measurements about six cents and because of how long six cents has sat at the top. So it it took some some oomph to get it above, but I I couldn't deny it anymore after these most recent rewatches. I was like, yeah, Signs is my favorite. Yep, that's the one. Well, we've done one. the twist. That is a twist. That is truly a twist. <laughs> uh, true it. to form. That is it. Um, well, listeners, thank you so much for going on this journey. We hope you've enjoyed this unpacking. You've probably wanted to argue with the the audio <laughs> <laughs> recording multiple times as we've been going through it. But um, we are going to let 
M. Night Shyamalan rest here uh, for at least an extended amount of time until he, you know, puts out a few more films, uh, at least for a run like this. But this has been really exceptional uh, and, and a lot of fun for me. I hope the listeners had fun with it. Nathan, I hope you had a lot of fun as well. Um, so we have some other fun things coming up in a couple of weeks. We're going to be starting that Scream at Halloween franchise run that we mentioned in business time. Um, but next week, we are going to be uh, visiting kind of a one-off uh Last year, during our uh, celebration at Halloween called Fogaween, our listeners that attended that party gave us the opportunity to look at some films that we maybe hadn't considered before. And so next week, we're going to go to one of those. Uh, we are going to be revisiting, uh, well, we've never visited it ourselves, um, a film from 2010 called Stakeland. Stakeland uh, is uh, an independent film about an apocalyptic vampire outbreak and the characters who kind of try to journey through that wasteland. Uh, but next week, we are going to be talking about Stakeland, a film suggested to us by our very own Stephen Beckley. Uh, Nathan, thank you again for all the time we've spent here doing the twist. Uh, listeners, thank Absolutely. you as well. And hell of a lot as of we say, oh, so much fun. I'm and glad I didn't have to kill episode, you. Uh, thankfully, yeah. Uh, you know, but you know. Well, I, you seemed unsure about why that you'd be thankful <laughs> of that. I mean. It's storming here right now, so maybe I do need to. Listen, listen, I I am grateful. Well, it was not that long ago. It was storming here pretty oh, bad, yeah. too. So just say. But um, but no, just uh, uh, as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. In that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else but be on your way rejoicing. Uh, we will see you next week. Thank do you, everybody. The twist. Do the twist. Do the twist. What a twist! The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media and episode archive, essays, merchandise, and more. If you love what we do, consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast, where you will unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online events, and so much more. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of TracerMatula.com for our artwork. Our assortment of talented musicians, Andrew Nelson, the Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes. And to Lee Wright and Reed Lackey for our theme music. Special thank you also to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Hi, everybody. <laughs>